Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to another episode of Please Bet on Football Games. I am your host, Alex, with the on-air talent, Joe. How are you doing today, Joe? Doing well. Spent way too much time on Twitter analyzing uh, every meaningless player that got cut uh, and extremely excited to talk about the much ballyhooed AFC today. Outstanding. If you weren't doing that type of research, I don't know if you could keep it on as our honor talent. So happy to hear you're doing the work. Well, as Joe said, we're doing another week of gas and fade. This week, though, we're looking at the AFC. I think we we have a lot more action, a lot more takes on the teams in this uh, conference. So it should be a little bit more lively. Uh, and as far as gas and fade, uh, you can go check in last week or just pay attention. This is when we're high on teams compared to the market. We want to gas them. We're looking to bet on them throughout the year. Not necessarily that they're a superstar team, just that they're better than how the public is looking at them. And then similarly, fade is when we think teams are worse than how the public sees them. So that's generally where we're working off of. And Joe, do you want to take me through how this works? Yeah. So basically, first of all, we're not, this is not a season win total show. Uh, If you wanted to do season win totals, you should have done it in July at the latest. The lines have moved way too much. They're too sharp now. And frankly, I hate futures bets unless they're a slam dunk because you have to tie your money up for a year. Instead of like betting on a particular team, if there's a team I think sucks, instead of betting on them under the season win total, I could just bet against them every week for, you know, until the market catches on and I'll make the same amount of profit, if not more, much, much quicker. And then I can reinvest that shit. So it's a no brainer in my mind. Um, This is just power rankings effectively, gas and fade. All betting against the spread is, is assessing what public perception is, figuring out where you differ. And if you're right, you make money. And if you're wrong and the market's right, you lose money. We're going to go through some of the teams that we think the market's wrong on as compared to ESPN in Vegas. And we're going to talk about why we feel that way. All right. Well, let's jump in. We got our first of the year. We're on the board. You know, I don't know if this counts as the first of the year because technically it's not week one yet, but it's it's about the 22-23 season. So I'll, I'll count it. Anyway, we're going to start positive. We're going to do gas first, and I'm going to introduce each team by a handful of rankings. The first is Joe's algorithm that kind of puts together everything uh, from roster to coaching and spits out how good the team is. Joe's personal rankings then ESPN's rankings, and finally Vegas's ranks. And then we're going to go and get into the team and talk about, you know, why we think they're better than how they're being viewed. So the first team to guess, the Las Vegas Raiders. Some new uh, new additions this offseason in a tough, comp- or it's tough division, but we're high on them. The algorithm has them as the eighth-ranked team. Joe has them as the 13th-ranked team. ESPN also has them as the 13th ranked team. And then Vegas has them all the way down at number 20. Which, by the way, is kind of crazy. Um, the way that we do the Vegas rankings is uh, I don't do it personally. Uh, I found a website. I forget the name. They took all of the... So certain sports books like Circa in Vegas will post all of the game lines weeks one through 18 already. And basically by using a lot of transitive property, you can figure out exactly how all the teams power rank out. Uh, so the fact that a sports book in Vegas where the Raiders now unfortunately call home, the fact that they have them all the way down at 20 
in the power rankings shows some real market pessimism regarding this team. And I think that my algorithm's a little high on them having them at eight. I think ESPN has got it right. I have them at 13, but still that is drastically better than what the betting market seems to believe. I think, first of all, let's get it out of the way. The Raiders got really lucky last year to go as far as they did, especially with all the turmoil that ensued after Gruden uh, leaked. Yeah, it was peak interim coach, just like catching on fire. Yeah, You see it happen with a lot of teams where a coach that maybe rubs some people the wrong way gets fired. Then the replacement just comes in and they have a way better record. I think a lot of it is just that emotion they were riding off of. But yeah, they definitely way outperformed. So I don't think they necessarily got that much. They, I don't think they lost anything, really. I, today they traded Trayvon Mullen, which is a move I don't agree with. Uh, and they also yeah, that was strange. Yeah, because I like him and he's young and it's not like they have a ton of corners. They, they have some corners, right? Like they acquired Rocky Sin this year. He'll be a really good nickel for them. They already have Nate Hobbs, who's a really good nickel. Uh, you can see a little redundancy brewing already. Trayvon Mullen was supposed to be effectively their cornerback one entering his third year in the league high pick very athletic putting it all together you well, know granted, granted they said that he was going to get cut if they didn't trade it so the thing about that is that it would be an even dumber decision like <sighs> like trading him is dumb cutting him is fucking ludicrous dumb but you know most of these people would be teaching elementary school gym class if it wasn't for the job they currently have anyhow adding rockus in helps amik robertson could become something he's an undersized slot but he's really good in zone and he hits really hard and he actually plays boundary corner um I kind of liked him coming out in the draft. I just, he hasn't, turns out a 5'8 corner who plays on the outside isn't catching on that quickly. Yeah, it's a tough bill. Yeah. So they haven't lost a ton. They lost Unique Ngakwe. They replaced him with Chandler Jones. I think one of the, this team's strengths is going to be their defensive line. Now that it doesn't look like Cleland Farrell's going to play like ever, they're going to have Chandler Jones and Max Crosby as an elite edge rushing duo. Andrew Billings and Bilal Nichols aren't great defensive tackles, but between them, Neil Farrell and Jonathan Hankins, who are basically clones of each other, they have like four dudes who can just maul the center of a of a line. Like you can't run on that defense. You just you won't even get to the linebackers who are okay. Um, yeah, they're gonna. I guess they're gonna be starting Nate Hobbs and Rocky Seen on the outside, which I don't love, but it could be worse. And we'll get to some more secondaries soon. Um, what really has me excited about the Raiders is what a perfect fit I think Derek Carr is for Josh McDaniels and vice versa. Like Josh McDaniels is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL because he doesn't necessarily call the best plays all the time. He gets too conservative for my taste, at least in the last five years. But even when he's running the ball too much, every run play is so intentional. Every run play has some kind of movement, some kind of fake action. Uh, you know, they'll put a fake jet sweep with every halfback dive. Everything is setting up something else down the line. The block teams are always intricate and always creative. Even when they're calling bad plays, they're calling really good bad plays. And even though McDaniels has a little bit more conservative of a passing offense, they he likes to throw, you know, many slits, many cuts, death by a thousand cuts, shorter passes, intermediate passes, occasional deep shots. That's perfect for Derek Carr because it's what he wants to do. Like, yeah, Derek Carr's got a really strong arm and he should throw deep more often. 
but he won't. So rather than turning a guy who's fairly talented into something that he doesn't want to be, you're just kind of leaning into what he's good at, or at least what he thinks he's good at. And it doesn't hurt to have an elite slot in Hunter Renfro, an, an arguably at the worst elite wide receiver in Devontae Adams. Like, is he overrated? I believe so. He's still freaking great. And then God forbid Darren Waller ever gets healthy. Their issue could theoretically be the offensive line. Yeah, that's the thing that worries me. Because like you're talking about with Daniels, it's the, the death by a thousand cuts and car and the playmakers they have are perfect for that because they're all route runners and good separators but then you get into the o-line where it's kind of dicey i mean colton miller has turned out pretty decent after starting pretty rough but they just released last year's first round pick who is admittedly wildly overdrafted and they never should have taken him there but still that is like that's rough i've heard a lot of people say like oh he still should have been like a second round pick i think that's horseshit i gave him a late fifth round grade and the only the reason he was draftable is because I was like, fuck it, it's Bama. He's got to know something. Like he he was terrible in college. I don't have hope. Yeah. I mean, apparently the, the Raiders called to try and trade him for anything to every team in the league and no one would do it. Like Ian Rappaport said that literally no team in the league wanted him. 32 no's. It's tough. That's Imagine being him this morning or tomorrow morning. You wake up and you're like, <laughs> fuck, yeah. I got to move. I, mean, I know rookie contracts have a good amount of guarantees in them, but he just lost a shitload of money. I'm pretty sure his whole contract's guaranteed, but even Is it? still. Well, that, that's very helpful then. But yeah, I mean, because he's probably his best bet is to end up on a practice squad. Yeah, I mean, backup duty somewhere. Yeah. See, I don't even know if he'll get backup duty at this point. Because then if you think somebody someone would have wanted him. Somebody will get hurt. Yeah, I think eventually. But he's going to have to start the year on a practice squad, I guess. Probably. Because otherwise someone would have traded like a 2025 conditional seventh rounder or something for him. Yeah, but then they would have to take on the contract. It might have literally just been like, dude, you're going to fucking cut him and we'll, th- we'll take him for a million dollars tomorrow. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, the offensive line is probably the worst in football. I, I think it, I think it's worse than the bears. Um, cause now it looks like Tevin Jenkins will actually start for the bears at right guard. What a boon. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned Colton Miller. He's legitimately good. He's a B plus tackle. Uh, the person named Thayer Munford at right tackle. Not so much. It's a good name. It's a great name. I don't know if he can play football. Same with Lester Cotton Sr. Amazing name. Lester Cotton could be anybody. He could be an old slave owner. He could be a slave. He could be a really fat guy. He could be a twig dude. I have no idea who Lester Cotton is in any respect. I don't expect him to be a great left guard or right guard. And that's kind of the only thing we care about here. Andre James is Andre James is actually a pretty decent center. Like he's uh he's not good, but he is like a journeyman caliber. He will start center. Fine. C plus. John Simpson, left guard. Well, I beat out Dylan Parham, so I guess he belongs in the NFL. But like again, it ain't good. Yeah. So you've got one plus starter and then a bunch of dudes you hope don't kill you. Yeah, yeah it, it's bad when Andre James is your second best offensive line and, and you're like, ah, I don't think I'll fuck it up. Good, but I don't think he will. Um, luckily, so 
this offensive line sucks. Like it really, really sucks. But I also think that Josh McDaniels is uniquely qualified to kind of maybe not obviate, but mitigate those problems. Because as I mentioned earlier, he loves the quick game. He loves the quick passes. And I think that the offensive line will be put in a position to succeed. We've seen the Patriots build offensive lines, mostly due to Dante Scarnecchia, out of makeshift parts that perform at the top of the NFL. And while I don't expect that kind of performance, I do expect them to perform below average instead of cataclysmic, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like you're saying, when you're focused on quick passes and you have guys that are all perfectly geared for that. I mean, that was Devontae Adams' bread and butter with Aaron Rodgers was how quickly they could get the ball to him on just those quick slants and bubble screens and all kinds of manufactured fast touches. Yeah, and Hunter Renfro, you don't want him running any deeper than 10 yards because that's where his agility stops being a factor. There is literally no bad way to get Darren Waller the ball. He's a freak of nature. He is what people think Kyle Pitts is. He's just always hurt or not sober. Uh, He has been sober for quite some time. And then he's been hurt for all of that time. Uh, And Foster Moreau is actually a really good second tight end. I really like Foster Moreau. So they're not lacking in pass catching options. I think the Raiders also qualify for the all name team this year. You know, they definitely do. Foster Moreau, Lester Cotton Sr., Thayer Munford Jr. My goodness. Rocky Sin is also incredible. We forget that Max Crosby has two X's. Right. I, what stopped his parents from going to three? Why didn't they want to make him Max? <laughs> D- Divine Diablo starting at me backer. <laughs> A converted safety who I actually kind of like as a, as a linebacker. Like the PFD could have an absolute field day with his name. I, I don't think that there's anything to be spoofed. I think Divine Diablo literally does it right there. Like his name means Satanism in Spanish. It's he's he's Mexican Satanism. It's the scariest kind. <laughs> All right. I think we've sufficiently covered the Raiders. Shall we go back to the rankings and see who else we're gassing? Yeah, the only other team we are gassing from the AFC, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Pretty similar team from last year, except the big switch of Matt Ryan instead of Carson Wentz. Let's get into the rankings. The Indianapolis Colts are number seven on the algorithm. They are number eight in Joe's rankings. ESPN has them at number 14 and Vegas has them at number 10. Yeah. So this was kind of a late addition to the gas list because I didn't really realize how low people were on the Colts. Like I thought like, yeah, Colts are going to be pretty good, but everybody's going to think that is really not an advantage. There's a slight advantage. I like, okay. I like Frank Reich a lot. And personally, I think over the last three years, he is done. We just got done talking about how Josh McDaniels is going to limit the exposure of that shall we say, unreliable offensive line by getting the ball out quick, getting his playmakers the ball in space, trying to get yards after the catch, right? Frank Reich's been doing that for like three, four years. And so everybody's been just uh, gassing on. Uh, I was going to say something more vulgar, but they've been gassing up the Indianapolis offensive line basically since they got Quentin Nelson. And Quentin Nelson's good. Quentin Nelson's arguably great. He's not the monster everybody thinks he is. And the rest of that offensive line really hasn't been either. They have been serviceable. And you'll notice that when they had cluster injuries along the offensive line last year, they didn't really experience any negative effects from it. That's because most of what they do is aided by quick passes and creative running schemes. Jonathan Taylor is also very Jonathan Taylor is a freak. Is he the best running back in the NFL? No, 
but he's probably second, maybe third. Yeah, yeah. he's he's just so fucking elusive, man. Like, and watching so him fucking run, fast I mean, and so fucking strong. Yeah, like he just finds open spots where there weren't open spots and makes guys miss. Yeah, he's he's real good. No, he's great, and and he can do a little bit of everything. He's great. Uh, and 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 on top of that, so like you've got a running back who's going to create yards for you where your offensive line might not. You've got a blocking scheme, which it turns out there are ways to be really creative and effective at creating blocking schemes that don't involve the wide zone Shanahan running system. I know that it's unheard of in this day and age, but McDaniels and Reich do it completely differently. It is not that wide zone stretch running system, and it is effective. Um, additionally, we saw what the Colts could be when Carson Wentz wasn't imploding last year, and it was really good. The issue is just that Carson Wentz can't stop occasionally being bad Carson Wentz. He just can't keep that in a bottle. And so while there were times when he played well and while the Colts manufactured really good stats for him last year, I think he was like 25 touchdowns and like seven interceptions or some shit, which is totally fraudulent. Like he was protected. He was insulated. That is scheme. That is not talent. That is not performance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they stopped having him throw more than 25 yards downfield by like week eight last year. I mean, they completely cut the field off because he could not throw downfield with any accuracy. Exactly. And in comes Matt Ryan, who is not the elite quarterback he very recently was just a couple years ago, but he's smart. He's going to protect the ball. He is consistent as all fuck. He's one of the most consistent quarterbacks in my lifetime. And from what I've seen in the preseason, his arm doesn't look like it's deteriorated as much as I thought it might. We spoke yeah, about that's this. my biggest worry with him is, is it the Eli Manning, the Peyton Manning, the Drew Brees, where it's just a total noodle at the end. And you're like, even the Phillip Rivers. Yeah. Like Colts running it back. But that's that's your concern with him. Yeah. And, and like we saw what happened with Philip Rivers. They were, again, a similarly good like the Philip Rivers year. I had him around eight to ten. Like I thought they were a good team, not a great team. They'll give the great teams some trouble, but they won't beat them. Matt Ryan is a better version of Philip Rivers. And we saw Philip Rivers absolutely carry, not carry, sorry, absolutely facilitate that team. Like, yeah, yeah. And the team is better now. Exactly. Well, you could argue they've lost parts on the offensive line, but again, I don't think it matters. I think that's overrated. And I think their playmakers are munching now. Exactly. Because Michael Pittman was once a baby with Philip Rivers, and he is now like a full-blown ex-receiver, legitimate starter. And Alec Pierce was my wide receiver two last year. Now, he was wide receiver two on a technicality because Drake London had injury issues, and I tie goes to the guy who's not hurt all the time. But Alec Pierce was really good. It's not often you find a dude who's like 6'3", and runs a 4-3, and he's a possession receiver who's great with jump balls, and he breaks Alabama cornerbacks' ankles in with Cincinnati. Like, he's Alec Pierce is really good, and I'm excited for the world to see it. Yeah, and he's locked in as the number two receiver for them, isn't he? Yep, yep. Totally won the job. No, no debate about it. So they've gone from having basically shit at wide receiver to, I don't want to say there's something to write home about just yet, but something much more exciting. Paris Campbell's also healthy. Yeah, and they they have Jonathan Taylor now, which they did not have with Philip Rivers. They do have Jonathan Taylor. And I love... I love Naheem Hines. I don't want him taking snaps from Jonathan Taylor, but get him out in the slot. And that's what they've been doing. They've been working Naheem Hines into the slot role, trying to get him the ball in space and just let him go throw him some screens because he's really elusive and fast and quick. And again, Paris Campbell is healthy. People don't remember Paris Campbell started over Terry McLaurin. He's a deep threat savant. 
I think some of his numbers at Ohio State were a little inflated. Totally. But he's an option. He's fast. He's able to get downfield. And that's an element that they haven't had. Like, yes, Carson Wentz was bad throwing downfield, but I think that they still would have done it if they had anybody who could get there. They were having Michael literally Pittman, Michael Pittman. Who runs like a 4-6 and plays like. Like, Pittman's a, a big, like, go-up-and-get-it guy, like a throw-the-RPO-to-him-even-if-he's-in-traffic guy. A Des Bryant guy, if you will. He's not Des Bryant. He's not very close, but that's the style of player he is. Paris Campbell is going to stretch that field. you got to play off on Paris Campbell. Alec Pierce can stretch that field. You you can man up on him, good to fuck luck. So I really like the prospects for this team. And, and we mentioned, you mentioned a little earlier with Matt Ryan, the Manning cliff, the Breeze cliff. We mentioned way back in the dead of the summer uh, in our quarterback rankings podcast, I had Matt Ryan like hovering around 10 or 11. And I was like, well, if Matt Ryan's arm is like still pretty good, he could jump five spots right away like that. I don't know. Well, watching the little bit of preseason run he did get, his arm doesn't look so bad. I mean, it's not great. It's not what it was. And it was never great to begin with, but it certainly looks like enough. Yeah, my concern is that as the year goes on, when he's not as fresh, it gets weaker too. But if he can throw downfield, because you know he's going to be able to take care of all the game manager stuff they had Wentz doing, that had them as a pretty good team outside of like, you take out those Wentz collapses, they were a playoff team. Exactly. You just, you smooth out. You don't even, he doesn't even have to be better than Wentz. He just has to be what Wentz usually was all the time. Whereas Wentz had the Jacksonville game, had the Patriots game. Like, as long as Matt Ryan doesn't have fucking, oh my God, I'm imploding on national television games, they're fine. Yeah, the offense should be productive and maybe even legitimately good. The defense is where I think they're going to be pretty solid. I mean, they've had good defenses for years. And now it seems like they actually have talent to match it. And this is a hot take. I know Matt Eberflus got promoted to be the head coach of the Bears. But as we mentioned a little earlier, not all NFL decisions are good ones necessarily. Cutting Trayvon Mullen might be even dumber than trading him. Promoting Matt Eberflus might be a really stupid fucking move because I've heard that there were rumors Matt Eberflus might be out in Indianapolis regardless of if he got a head coaching job or not. Like their defense since Eberflus has been there has been run four, three base defense, two man under, which is literally the single most basic possible defense. Like if you last time I played Madden, go to four, three and click like click into four, three. It's the first play. It's man across the board with two high safeties and four rushers. And they ran that constant, no disguise, no stunts, no sim pressures, rush the four linemen, man up across. They're changing that up. They're going to run a little bit more cover three. They're going to run more disguises. They finally have an outside cornerback worth a damn. They have Stephon Gilmore. He's a top He's five old, corner. He's top But player. he's still good. Guess how old he is. 31. Okay. I think he's 32. He's 31. He turns 32 Oh my short. God. I know. I know. I thought you were going to say much older than that because you said he's old. And like, dude, 31 is not that old. He's a corner. corner. Yeah, but it's fine. And like, if you this, look, is this is about when you start talking about switching to safety. That's 33. He's got another year or two. We're, we're talking about a dude who won defensive player of the year two years ago. Yeah. And how many games has he played since then? You know, that's actually a misnomer. He played, I want to say like 10, 11 games last year. And he was really, really good with a really shitty team. Let's, play pull, that up many. P- Let's pull up the PFF, okay? We got, we I got the resources. Like half the year. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I still love Stephon Gilmore. I just think that he's getting a little older. He's had some injury stuff. Last year, he played 
in eight games and he played legitimately well with a bad team. Oh, yeah. It's just he's played eight games and he was hurt before that. He was hurt before that. But like we're talking, he's never missed a full season. How about that? Okay. Typically, when we talk about dudes who are hurt and like missing time, they're not playing the majority of season. Um, the Patriots moved on from him. But as we'll discuss in a little bit, that might not necessarily mean a goddamn thing. It does. Uh, yeah. They just don't like paying. Exactly. So they have Stefan Gilmore on the outside instead of like the corpse of Xavier Rhodes or even Rocky Sin, who is OK, but not great. Kenny Moore is still going to be in the slot most of the time and he's a very good slot corner yeah i mean he's one of the best slots in the league yeah i think he's again he's another dude who like i think he gets a little too much hype but he's still really really good like i think i don't think you could give him a lower grade than a b plus i'd say he's b plus a minus guy say yeah, he's a minus yeah, guy um they're a little bit shallow after those two corners but la- for the last few years they've had rocky yasin and kenny moore so like yeah zaire franklin or brandon Faison may be drawing in but they've dealt with much worse additionally they added a guy named nick cross he's a rookie i think he's out of illinois he might be out of maryland i get them confused there were two safeties that came out in this draft both super athletic both a little bit raw i think nick cross is the one from illinois let's check real quick fuck he's the one from maryland come on man my point is i really liked this guy in the draft i had him as a late first early second he's super athletic he's got really good ball skills he just needed a little bit of polish he didn't really know how to play the he didn't know the nuances of the position and believe it or not there's better coaching in the nfl than there is at maryland and apparent by all accounts he has just blown up training camp to the point where they didn't play him in the preseason because they're like you're a rookie but you're starting i'm really excited about him i would have been excited about him if i didn't know about how great he did this summer because remember we don't upgrade people for anything that happens before september no upgrades we confirm or we downgrade i'm confirming I have him as a B minus to B safety. Julian Blackman is a B to B plus safety. This is the best secondary the Colts have had in the Frank Reich era. Shaq Shaq Leonard, apparently. I guess I can't call him Darius Leonard. I'm just changing names. I'm just changing names all the fucking time now. I can't wait till week three when he goes by Jim Bob because that's that's his dad's middle name. Anyway. I'm just I'm just waiting for when the senior gets added. Senior the fifth. Um well hey, he, he could be like the, the St. Brown brothers and just stick a saint in front of his last name because fuck it. That's why. Why do what, why Leonard? do names mean anything? Who's St. Leonard the Pat- what's St. Leonard the Patron saying? Arbitrary d- changes. <laughs> uh and then there's Bobby Okariki, who apparently is Bob. Bobby Okereke, because he's not from Africa, but apparently Okereke is more African way to say his name. And so we're going to do that. These linebackers are annoying, but they're good. Uh, This is not at all pod worthy and should get cut. But uh, St. Leonard, patron saint of women in labor, um, prisoners, captives, coal miners, horses, locksmiths. There are some really, really terrible parallels being drawn between people that should not be associated under one saint. I don't know how you Catholics work with your saints, but this seems fucked up. And, and we're keeping this saint in. against burglaries and against robberies or robbers. So he keeps you safe. But he also doesn't take the ball away anymore. That's rough. He does. That's a, that's a... All this is staying in. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, listeners. I have no power here. Additionally, they've added Yannick Ngakwe. Um, I don't think he's good. 
I think it's a B minus. Yeah, I don't think he's really anything of note anymore. He had like that one or two years in Jacksonville. Yep. And he forced his way out and he just hasn't really been anything. I mean, he's what bounced around Raiders, Ravens, Vikings, Vikings, and they've all kind of just passed on. Like he stuck around for that season or half season, like with the Vikings. And then they were like, yeah, it's enough. Well, he does one thing. He, he runs past the quarterback and then stops and turns around and tries to run back to the quarterback. And he's fast enough that it works seven times a year. And that's how he gets his sack. On the other side, you got Quiddy Pay, who has about as much refinement as a pass rusher, but is just much more athletic. Quiddy Pay is one of about three dudes in the, in the 2020 draft class who were edge rushers that I said must have learned how to play edge from Jamal Adams because they just run into the linemen and then don't move anywhere. Like they just get stuffed. Like Pay, I don't know. Apparently he's really, really strong. Maybe he's on like creatine or some shit and it's all just water weight because he does not move line when he hits them. Luckily for the Colts, they still have elite DeForest Buckner and very good Grover Stewart on the inside. So their defensive line won't be terrible. Yeah, they won't get as much pass rush juice as you would hope, but Pay is good in the run game at least. And then you have DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart who shut shit down. Exactly. So like we've gone through every position on this team. They're not great everywhere, but there are no holes. Like well, you, no. you want to bitch about Matt Pryor at left tackle or Danny Pinter at right guard, but they get the ball out quick. It doesn't matter. Jonathan Taylor makes people miss in the backfield. It doesn't matter. So they're going to be fine. They upgraded at quarterback, if only because it'll be more consistent. There's upside in that Matt Ryan can rediscover himself because he's playing indoors still. This team is going to be very, very solid. I don't think they're going to make any noise in the playoffs because I just don't think they're that explosive. Yeah, they don't have the ceiling. They don't have stars. They don't have killers, but they've got solid players everywhere. Yeah, and they're, they're really good at just beating up on teams as well. Under Frank Reich, the last few years where it seems like they have a lot of late game action because they are really physical and they just beat up on teams. I feel like that lends to them well, kind of surviving the year. Yeah. So do we think that the Colts are some elite team? No, but they're above average. They're good. They'll make the playoffs this year. I'm fairly certain. And I think that they'll even give the Titans a really hard time to win that division. But man, it's just really hard to find teams we're high on in this AFC. I, I think it's time to move to the other side. Yeah. Let's get into the uh, the negative stuff. Joe's wheelhouse, making fun of other football teams. Yes. So let's jump into some fade. Start out East. Yeah, let's do the AFC East because they've got a few teams that pop up here. Let's just start at the top. The publicly lauded Buffalo Bills. All right, we're starting off weak because we're not fading them that hard. We're not, but this is probably the, you know, one of the most talked about teams for favorites this year, and we're not quite that high. Uh, the algorithm has them as the fifth ranked team. Joe has them as the fourth. However, ESPN and Vegas both have them as the number one ranked team this year. Yeah, we weren't going to have the Bills on our fade list because like, dude, they're my fifth ranked team. They're my fourth ranked team. Like they're really good. They're in that upper echelon. They are a Super Bowl contender. But people have been talking about them like they're the fucking 2007 Patriots. Like like it's a given that they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Like they're so unstoppably elite. And I'm just not sure. Okay, there's a lot of misconceptions. So first of all, one of the selling points of this Bills team is that last year they had the number one defense in the NFL, but it was bullshit. They played like, I don't remember the exact figure. I think they played six backup quarterbacks. They get, they beat up on the Jaguars and the Jets with backup quarterbacks and the Patriots in a tornado. 
you know when it's really easy to keep your yards total low when the team you play throws the ball three times like the bills defense is fine and they've got some pieces that are really nice they've got the best safety duo in the nfl in jordan poyer and micah hyde they're both great super versatile really good in coverage which is all that really matters but dane jackson is probably going to start over kair elam and kair elam doesn't really have the speed to be like a legitimate starting corner just yet. Tredavious White is awesome, but wasn't actually that good last time he played in 2020. And he's coming off injury. Isn't he on the pup list to start the year too? I think so. Which means he's out four games. Yep. So all of a sudden, and they lost Levi Wallace. So all of a sudden, the secondary looks kind of vulnerable. And Tremaine Edmonds is a fucking liability at linebacker, but they just won't take him off the field. He is terrible. I do not get the infatuation. It's because he's still like 22 years old. He was like 19 when they drafted him. I do remember that. But like the guy has absolutely no feel for a football field. He's no, just he's, fast. He's legitimately confused when he is standing. Like, I, I think the only time he feels comfortable with his surroundings is like when he's about to fall asleep at night because he seems overwhelmed by everything. Just terrible angles in the run game. Literally like doing 360s. He's so lost in space in the pass game. Kid sucks. I, I really think they should convert him to a defensive end. He's got the athleticism and the size and apparently the brain. Uh, people are super stoked on them because they added Von Miller, but people forget that Von Miller legitimately wasn't good last year in the regular season because he didn't care. I mean, Von Miller's a mercenary. He's out here waiting until the wild card weekend to start giving a fuck. And he's also in his mid to late 30s. Yeah, I mean, I think it could help that he's on a favorite team. Like a team that's a favorite to keep him engaged early on. Even when he got to the Rams last year, though, he wasn't really good until the playoffs. Yeah. And that might have been a warm up because he had just been fucking around for the last year and a half in Denver. Uh, there was nothing to play for. But yeah, I mean, he's an aging guy. He's had a lot of injuries. He's still good, but he's not the dominant force that is is a threat to wreck the game. He's on not any Von play. Miller. He's not Von yeah. Miller. Um, and then on the other end, you've got Greg Rousseau, who fucking sucks. I hate him. I know you do. <laughs> I remember in that draft class, you know, it's like, dude, both the Miami DNs are like going to be studs. Jalen Phillips, unreal, might be weird, but he's everything. And Greg Rousseau is just like, you know, he's huge. He's apparently super athletic. And you were like, no, fuck that guy. He's terrible. I wouldn't even take him in the second round. I wouldn't. And you know what? That bears out. PFF pass rush grade of 65 last year, which it's is being average. It's being, it's a little below average, but yeah, it, which is also being boosted significantly by an 86 he got against Atlanta. Other than that, he had one, he had two games all season that were good. Atlanta and Miami. Everything else, <laughs> 50s and low 60s not good he also just didn't look very good in college he has no speed his power is not sufficient enough to bully people like Rashawn Gary fuck him no Ed Oliver we like but he is a little disappointed he's like a b-plus player yeah I mean Ed Oliver got billed as gonna be able to kind of come in and do almost Aaron Donald level shit yeah which I think is a little unfair to him but yeah I think he's disappointed a little bit like he's a solid player he's a good starter you like having him but he's not the uh kind of three tech superstar we thought he could be yeah at least not at this point he probably at this point he's 25 years old he probably shouldn't have gone ninth overall but he's still a good player and then daquan jones is just like so consistently solid like daquan jones isn't wrecking any games but he's not a liability he's fine yeah so the defense 
in general, not so great. But we're barely yeah, like so they've got elite safeties, but they're incredibly thin at corner. The linebackers, I mean, Matt Milano covers well and he gets a lot of great. he's really good. Um, yeah, I, I like him. Um, and I think he's amazing in his role. Yeah. Tremaine Edmonds, though, fast, nothing else. The D line is just like kind of disappointing. It's a bunch of potential or old guys. These dudes are going to get gashed. You're going to be able to score 30 if you're a good team, like the Chiefs did. Now, the obvious question, though, does it matter with Josh Allen and that offense? Exactly. So, like, one of our favorite things to talk about is how defense doesn't really matter. Like, defense is like 30% of a team these days. It's about offense and coaching. And, like, yeah, they lost – Who's the white trash slot receiver? Cole Beasley. They lost Cole Beasley, and he's real good. Curious he hasn't been signed this summer. Uh, I mean, he's getting old. And honestly, yeah. I like Isaiah McKenzie a lot more. Like, I really like Isaiah McKenzie in the slot. And Stephon Diggs is really good. Gabriel Davis. People talk about Gabriel Davis like he's a star already, and he's like a low-end wide receiver too. Yeah, I mean, he he had some really explosive moments, and obviously he's crazy right. in the playoffs. Didn't he have like a three touchdown game either in the playoffs or at the end of the year or something like that? I'm pretty sure he was so the star of the Chiefs 13 seconds game. Was it? That's what, I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I know it was one of the big nationally televised ones at the end of the year where he just went off. So I think that's what's fresh in everyone's mind. And I mean, he really did improve as the year went on and they've liked him for, a, you know, a while now. So I'm not shocked if he kind of breaks out, especially because he should have a lot of opportunity with that offense. But it seems like people are really high on him with only like kind of half a season of good production. Well, it, it just seems like a common theme with this Bills team is that like it's promising and it's good, but it's not there yet. And people just want it to be there so bad. I can't tell if it's because the Bills are fun and Josh Allen's really cool and really fun to watch. And the Bills mafia is hilarious and super feel good. Like you can't hate on them. It's like the Browns before their quarterback was a rapist. Their punter was a yeah, rapist yeah. and they got rid of them. I think um, you're a hundred percent right it's that you know the bills the browns they're those feel-good stories because they've always been like a shit franchise and they have all this heartbreak and you know especially with the bills where they were just stomped on by tom brady for the last 20 years so it's like oh my goodness they're they're maturing everyone likes them i figured it out I figured out a perfect analogy that you're going to, but you're going to hate it. The bills, the bills are what the Chicago Cubs should have been circa like 2017. If they didn't get (laughs) super fucking lucky and win a world series, a good team with some promise. Chris Bryant can be your Josh Allen surrogate, but they haven't won anything yet. And they might not ever actually be as fucking elite as we all think they might, but they'll be good, real good. Just maybe they don't deserve to be a dynasty or a championship team or anything like that. Well, if you make that comparison, the Cubs did win the World Series. But we got lucky, whereas the Bills got unlucky. The 13 seconds happened, and that's that was their 2016. That was their moment. You think it's now past? Well, no, because I could totally see the Bills getting to the Super Bowl again. But I think that that's kind of it's super plausible. Yeah, no, they're a great team. They're the second best team in the AFC in my book, but, and like, they're right there with the chiefs. If you want to flip them, I don't care what I'm, the only thing I'm trying to get at is it's like, it's that kind of the zeitgeist is reacting to them in the same way. The perception is the same. There's just this effervescence about them, you know, a combination of them being the lovable losers with the chosen one star player 
and they won a lot last year, even if it was kind of fluky. And like, yeah, Josh Allen's really good, but Josh Allen still has a ton of flaws. You want to hear more about him? Go read the article on my Patreon, which is free, or go listen to the top eight quarterback breakdown. Patreon is free. It is a free Patreon. Unless you want to buy the picks that I'm putting up for every week starting next week, then it's not free. You got to say that qualifier a little quieter and faster next time. I'll speed it up. It's a free Patreon. Picks sold separately. Beautiful. So Josh Allen still got flaws. And like as as awesome as he is, like I wouldn't be totally shocked if he turned back into a pumpkin a little bit now that especially now that and this is the big thing they're missing their offensive coordinator Brian Dable, who was not only I was brilliant, say, that's 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 the big question for them well, is how will the offense function with no Brian Dable, but Ken Dorsey, who is a pretty well respected offensive mind coming in. Ken Dorsey was the quarterbacks coach last year. He knows the offense. He can run the offense. But the what made the Bills offense so great last. Last year wasn't just the way that the plays were designed. It was great. Like the play designs were great, took lots of deep shots. They got people open downfield and they were aggressive in trying to go downfield. But it was also that they never ran the ball. They always went for your throat and they gave, they, they, they basically admit to themselves like, yeah, Josh Allen's going to miss a lot of passes. Cause even last year as a great quarterback, he, he was accurate on only about 70% of his passes where like all the other quarterbacks in the top eight are like 75 or above. So they said, fuck it. Josh Allen's going to miss more passes than usual. We'll just throw more passes than usual. Like we'll, throw all three downs he'll complete one of them and it'll go for 20 boom and they and they did and he could because he's really the most talented quarterback i've ever seen but i agree with that like he's like if jamarcus russell was fast instead of fat and also way more dedicated to football i was about to say and josh allen apparently just like lives and breathes football and being an incredible guy whereas jamarcus russell famously did not do those things no famously jamarcus russell did lean uh and became 290 pounds. And didn't watch tape. Didn't watch tape because he was sipping lean. Get more um, sleepy. <laughs> it's hard to watch tape when you're sipping lean. Take a nap. Anyway, we have two issues. One, that offense was based on throwing the ball vertically. The offensive line has gotten worse. Roger Saffold is coming in to play left guard, but he's ancient and like he hasn't looked that great the last couple of years with Tennessee. Mitch Morse has been okay at best. Ryan Bates is starting at right guard. He's not good. And then David Questenberry's journeyman pedestrian ass is starting at right tackle. You're going to be able to get to Josh Allen with four men. Whereas the McDaniels and the Reichs can make their offensive lines go away by just getting the ball out quick, the Bills do literally the exact the fuck opposite. Additionally, and this part might be more instructive, it's uh, it's a little bit more information-based. As good as the Bills were last year, apparently about halfway through the season, it was looking like Brian Dable might leave the Bills with a head coaching job or not, simply because Sean McDonough, wait, that's the announcer. McDermott? Sean McDermott. You fucking Irish people. It's fine. I've called him Doug McDermott before, who was Dougie McBuckets. Dougie, Mc, Dougie McBuckets, and then there's Sean McDermott, who used to do Monday Night Football, and then there's, no, nope, Sean McDonough. Take a lap. Go go outside. Get some fresh New York air. I don't want to choke. Uh, <laughs> speaking of New York, though, apparently even if Dable didn't get the Giants job, he was going to be gone because McDermott <laughs> was nice. sick of his shit with all this newfangled running an efficient offense in the year 2021 thing. Apparently McDermott really wanted him to play ball control more, run the ball more, give the defense more rest, was much more okay with punting, and apparently Dable red-faced Irishman that he was, was totally cool shouting him down and saying, no, we're fucking throwing the ball. That's what what you learn when you coach with Belichick and Saban. Sure. I mean, 
at least Saban. Saban had a renaissance. He knows his offense now, or at least how to pick them, but not so much Belichick. I meant yelling and telling people fuck off. Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. So regardless, apparently Ken Dorsey is not quite as fiery. Apparently Ken Dorsey is a little bit more shall we say, domesticated. If the head coach tells him to run the ball, he's probably going to run the ball. And their philosophy is probably going to change significantly compared to what they did with Dayball. Now, does this mean that they're so going to be a puppet? Not a puppet. I was about to say, does this mean that they're going to turn into the Cleveland Browns? No, they're not going to run the ball 60% of the time. But there's a reason they drafted James Cook. There's a reason they kept Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I think they're going to run the ball a lot more. I think that it'll help them, or at least they think it'll help them uh, keep their offensive line above water. And I don't think that that'll be good for them in the long run. I think that this will hurt them. So we've got a defense that is significantly overrated on its face. We've got an offense where we have some informational factors working against them. And that's all assuming that Ken Dorsey is just as good a play designer and play caller as Brian Dable, which is a little bit of an assumption. Yeah, with how good Dable has been the last couple of years, that's a really high bar to clear. Yeah, and, and Dorsey could very well be the next dude, but it's still his first year. In Dable's, Dable is one of the dudes, and in his first year or two with the Bills, they weren't special on offense. He wasn't calling... Yeah, I mean, some of that was early Josh Allen. Yeah, but their plays also weren't... Like, they ran the ball as much as anybody. They didn't have particularly intricate downfield attacking plays. Like, it didn't stand out. And a lot of that is probably just because he was a new coordinator. And when your balls are on the line, it's harder to call the interesting shit. So I get it. But those little hiccups, those little hindrances and, you know, fears, that hesitation might be enough to knock the Bills from the perch of top four team to top 10 team. And we're only looking for them to slip from bona fide number one ranked team in the NFL to fifth ranked team in the NFL. And that's enough value for us to make money betting against them. Exactly. So this probably isn't a team that we're going to be hammering or looking to fade every week, like some of the other teams we're going to talk about, but it's one to keep an eye on when they play some of those top matchups, like cough, cough week one. They play week one. Oh, the Rams. You've bet on this. I know. Don't Multiple tell them. Ways. Don't tell them. Cut it. No, I don't want to. <laughs> I give you options. Yeah, no. Like, you, like, you are the decider. It, it has been established that the Bills are not very good against great teams. Uh, luckily for the Bills, they don't fucking play any. Um, their, their toughest games this year are Kansas City, L.A., and Indy. Everything else is basically a cakewalk to the playoffs. So they're going to win like 10, 12 games. What do you mean? They go to play at the Cincinnati Bengals jungle? In week 17, we're not there yet. We're trying to do the AFC East first. Do you want to just do the Bengals? No, 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 no. We got to stick with the AFC East. It's just a little teaser. Okay. Have we exhausted the Bills? I think we've spent, yeah, yeah. plenty of time on the Bills. Our scorching take is that the the quote-unquote best team in the league is like fifth-ish. With like They're still going to win their division and go to the playoffs. It's just that we're not like, oh, this is a shoe-in Super Bowl team. Yeah. Let's talk about why they're going to walk to the playoffs with a fucking umbrella in hand. The next team to talk about, and this is a fun one for you. Mm. You've made a lot of friends about this team. The New England Patriots. The algorithm has them as the 29th team 
Joe's rankings have them as the 27th team. ESPN puts them at 16 and Vegas puts them at 17. This is a pretty big discrepancy. Well, the element in the room is simply that pundits have a really hard time evaluating and even some fake sharps have a really hard time evaluating the Patriots because they just they can't look at what's on their TV with Belichick's cock in their mouth. If I hear one more person who is paid legitimate money to think about the NFL and analyze what happens in it, say, I simply can't go against the genius of Belichick, I might have a fucking stroke. Because the genius of Belichick, much like Jesus was the corporeal form of God, the corporeal form of Belichick's genius was two men named Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels. And they no longer are related to Bill Belichick in any form or fashion. And not only are they gone, but he's replaced them with Mac Jones's bitch ass and Matt fucking Patricia. The only thing that Mac Jones or Matt Patricia could even come close to approaching Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels uh, in regards to is their ability to acquire type 2 diabetes. That's it. <laughs> Does Mac Jones have diabetes? Nah, but he's pudgy. And as soon as he retires, he's going to be fat. And he's going to be forced yeah, to retire I mean... in like three to four years because he fucking kind of sucks, dude. Yeah, and let's let's get into that. That's a, That's probably the juiciest part beyond the Belichick is wildly overrated because he was made by Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels. Okay, Mac Jones sucks because Mac Jones is not actually good at any things that involve playing that are involved in playing quarterback. He's got a really weak arm, right? And that's probably the biggest problem. It's not the weakest arm in the NFL. Tua still exists, but it's very weak. And he's he doesn't have any he can't put any zip on the ball. Tua's got a weak arm. At least he puts some spin on it. Mac Jones also has terrible pocket presence. If he's got any pressure, he wilts like a fucking flower. Additionally, Mac Jones puts the ball in harm's way a fuck ton. He fumbles a lot. Like a lot, a lot. And he throws a lot of drop picks. We've seen it this preseason. We saw it last year. He puts the ball in the hands of defenders and they can do it with what they may. If you want to hear more about why Mac Jones fucking sucks, you can read the article on the Patreon, which is free. Free Patreon. Pick sold separately. It's a free Patreon. You do not have to pay. You pick sold separately. You can also go listen to the first podcast that we did in our quarterback rankings at the beginning of the summer. Why? Because he's in the bottom tier, where which we spoke about on the first podcast because we went in reverse order. So Mac Jones, fucking atrocious. You disagree? You, you think something different? That's awesome. There's a very simple thing you can do if you disagree with me that will shut me right the fuck up. You take your money and you go to a counter at a sports book and you place it on the Patriots in any game against the spread. And then you lose that money forever because you're wrong. And I take it implicitly because I have bet against them in this game, most likely. And the casino will pay me with your money. Do you see how this works? Uh, additionally, if you want another outlet for your frustrations or disagreement, uh, you can shout it into a pillow or into the bottom of a very deep ocean. Or tweet it, Joe. That's the worst option. <laughs> Not for me. I just get my popcorn. So, Mac Jones fucking sucks. And I've said it in as many entertaining ways as I can, but it needs to be said and it need I need to make an impression upon you because it seems that I'm the only one who believes this. Uh, outside of that, Bill Belichick and all of his infinite wisdom, I'm pretty sure he won executive of the year last year, actually. Did he really? The NFL is an absurd place full of assholes and idiots. <laughs> he just, he cash strapped his team in one off season to be bad. Well, I mean, I guess they what went to What sort of backwards but... fucking pageantry is that? It doesn't make what sense. What sort of backwards Don't fucking, fucking pageantry is that? stomp on my clip. <laughs> But yeah, uh, despite being right up against the salary cap, like bumping their fucking nose on it, the Patriots are devoid of talent. Quarterback, been over that. 
wide receiving core. I like Nelson Aguilar a lot. I don't really think he should be a wide receiver one. And Absolutely not. I like and, Nelson Aguilar a lot. He should not be anywhere near a wide receiver one position. And Devontae Parker also shouldn't be a one or even probably a two. Kendrick Bourne shouldn't really be on your roster if you intend on winning football games. Uh, Jacoby Myers, okay, he's a depth piece. So they got not a lot in the way of receivers. They have a lot of receivers. They're very diverse. They cover every archetype of receiver. They're just not good. Their coaching is going to be a problem. And there are reports out of training camp rampant, which we usually don't take into account, uh, that the Patriots are not only bad, but like, it's not just that their plays are bad and they're not effective and they're not winning uh, routes or plays even uh, against other teams in these joint practices. It's that they also just look completely disjointed, like malpractice levels of coaching, which you could expect from Matt Patricia, who is now an offensive coordinator and play caller and play designer, who is also reinventing the entire blocking scheme of a team that has had great success with blocking schemes to this point in the Bill Belichick era. And and we got to consider that like Matt Patricia's forte apparently is calling defenses, but Matt Patricia fucking sucks at calling defenses. But if you take a guy who sucks at the thing he's good at and you make him do the thing he's less good at, he can only suck worse, right? Well, he knows how to give up a lot of points on defense. So maybe he will also know how to make a defense give up a lot of points. He's very familiar with points being scored against defenses. So yeah, now that that could translate, but odds are it fucking does not. I don't like I, any. I would agree with that. I, I don't like anything about this team. I built, we've been over it. Bill Belichick's overrated. The quarterback is super fucking overrated. The wide receivers are not very good because we like Nelson Aguilar and he should be a great wide receiver too. And that's all they have. Hunter Henry is a really good tight end and Johnny Smith's a really, really good second tight end. I'll give him that. But they're castrating what's left of their offensive line by switching schemes. Oh yeah, this is where I was. I was talking about how Trent Brown, the Patriots' best offensive lineman, uh, is a monolithic left tackle. He's not very mobile, but he's very, very strong. And the reason the Patriots got him for a fifth round pick originally from the San Francisco 49ers is because he didn't really fit the scheme that his original team was running. See, the 49ers and later the Raiders both ran a, a wide zone Shanahan-esque system because the 49ers had had Shanahan and the Raiders had Gruden, who was one of the earliest disciples of Shanahan. So Matt Patricia reinventing their offensive lines blocking system and instituting something akin to the Shanahan system is probably the dumbest possible thing you could do. Like, oh, oh we did really good by stealing this lineman because he didn't fit that scheme. Let's run that scheme. That that is literally the calculus that these millionaires are engaging. You also have to look at a guy like Mike Unwenu, who again, right guard, not known for being mobile, more of a statuesque lineman. Isaiah wins a little bit more agile on right tackle, but still, I don't want him in space. David Andrews is great, and Cole Strange actually fits that system a little bit better because he's more of an agile guard, but Cole Strange is just not that good. So we've been through every facet of their offense. It's all terrible, and it's all significantly overrated by the market who is in love with Mac Jones because he's the perfect concoction of Saban and Belichick, and then the offense that they just assume will be fine because in Belichick we trust, despite the fact that he's done nothing to really earn our trust other than stumbled ass backwards into the best quarterback of all time and one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. Then you get to the defense. You and I discussed this a little bit earlier this evening, but dude, Jalen Mills is their 
number one corner. They might very well end up starting Sean Wade. Do you remember Sean Wade? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when he was a highly touted prospect at Ohio State, and then he actually played against other highly touted prospects on the outside, and we realized that he's terrible. This is the Sean Wade that the Ravens cut two months after drafting him in the third round. Two months. He's going he's gonna to fucking start a year or two later. He's And the Ravens didn't cut him on accident. He fucking sucked. But the alternative is Jonathan Jones, who should never leave the slot. Or rookie Jack Jones, who isn't good and wasn't at Arizona State. And then at safety, they've got some combination of the corpse of Devin McCourty and Kyle Duggar, who is surprisingly ancient in his own right and doesn't know how to cover. Their pass rush is going to consist of Matt Judon and Josh Uche. Josh Uche being like 5'11", Matt Judon being the definition of mids. And they just gave big money to Devon Godshaw and Lawrence Guy because that's who they want to base their defense around. They're not even starting their best defensive player in Christian Barmore. There's no way they don't end up starting him, right? You say that, but once upon a time, their number one corner did not participate in the Super Bowl for funsies. Bill Belichick does absurdly stupid shit, like spend to the cap to build the 29th best roster in the NFL. And people just give him a pass because of what he did with an elite quarterback and Bill Parcells roster. That might be that might be cutting him down a little much because Parcells wasn't there for quite a while. Um, but I will agree with you. It's a lot of a, a lot of stuff gets covered up when you have Tom Puck and Brady. Well, and when you end up winning two Super Bowls with Bill Parcells roster, everybody's like, oh, we should go there. They're clearly very good and start ring chasing. And all of a sudden you've got Junior Seau's ass and Randy Moss's ass at the end of their careers, but they're still really good. And you put up big seasons and then you just get a constant stream of veterans who are looking for a ring. Akib Talib, Stefan Gilmore, Darrell Revis. And on and on it goes. And you've got yeah, Tom Brady. I think that's pulling, also yeah. Tom Brady pulling people in because they go, if I go play on the team with the best quarterback. Well, exactly. So like all of this, having the best quarterback of all time by a wide margin and the allure that having the rings and the quarterback uh, presents to free agents and otherwise available players in combination with admittedly very intelligent offensive coaches like Bill O'Brien and Josh McDaniels has all led people to believe that Bill Belichick is not only a genius coach, but a genius general manager. And in reality, he's been below average the whole time. And now without his crutches, he can't walk. And I think I'm going to bet against the Patriots against the spread in almost every game this year. Well, that's that's a that's a big statement because they play in a bad division. They do, and they don't really play anybody good at all. And that'll come up in a moment when we get to the next team we're fading. But it's just, I might not fade them in every game. There are a few real stinkers that they play. Like the Jets, they're not even a fade team because everybody knows they suck. And they play Chicago. We already discussed how fucking putrid the Bears are going to be. They play Detroit and Cleveland Sands Watson. They play Pittsburgh with Mitch Trubisky. They play Miami twice. But other than that, you got to fade them every time. And even including those, you got to look for times you can fade them just because holy shit, it's a disaster. Yeah, you really uh, brought me into it. So I was like, I know they're not going to be good. But when you walk me through that entire roster, God, is it barren? Like, they're not going to be able to stop anyone in the air. No, like it, it doesn't matter. If Bill Belichick was the defensive genius that people think he is, and he's not. If he was, if he was Brian Flores, they wouldn't be able to stop anybody because uh, they there is no trick you can play that makes Jalen Mills run with a wide receiver one. There is no gimmick that turns Matt Judon into an elite pressure producing edge. Fuck, they are literally excited about starting Mac Wilson at middle linebacker. Like they're they're stoked. 
because they think he's going to be the game changer in the middle of their defense. I I would be quite shocked if that happened because I saw a good amount of Mac Wilson. And honestly, even when the Browns picked him, I was like, you know, I think he could be an exciting role player. Uh, he's bad. Bad. I I I liked him coming out of Alabama. I I thought too that he could be a solid coverage linebacker, a solid player. Even that might have been a little optimistic. Yeah, I mean, from what we've seen so far, he could not be a coverage role player in Cleveland at all, like at all. And now they're starting at middle linebacker, and they're stoked. So the Patriots are a fucking dumpster fire, and. I- I know that that sounds ludicrous and it, it's even a little scary to say because the specter of Belichick's uh, hype feels like a perverted word to use regarding Bill Belichick. He's like the least hype dude of all time, but the hype of Belichick looms large. It's tough to say this is a bottom five team, but they are, and it's going to present itself. They'll probably still win five to seven games just because their schedule is that fucking weak. And they also play the Bills week 18, who will almost certainly be sitting people. But I think this time next year, we're going to be talking a lot about a quarterback competition involving Mac Jones, or he might even be gone. I would be surprised if he was gone after one year, unless, like, I mean, Bill is not known for, like, giving long leashes to guys. I remember a man named Drew Bledsoe, <laughs> the highest paid quarterback in the NFL who was benched for an undrafted or a damn near undrafted free agent, a sixth round pick, a compensatory sixth round pick. Yeah. So maybe. And Bill's definitely like he's on his way out. Like he's trying to prove some shit before he retires. So I could see him not really caring about future assets. I, that's that's a conversation for next year. <laughs> We're getting yes. way ahead of ourselves. Um, to wrap it up, the Patriots should be terrible. Uh, we don't know why they're even remotely looked at as like an average to decent team. They have a really bad roster and look like they're going to be extremely poorly coached on offense. Fade them. Yep. All right. Next up and staying in the electric AFC East, we have the Miami Dolphins. The algorithm puts the Miami Dolphins at number 26. Joe has them at number 25. And then ESPN has them at 19, while Vegas has them at 18. Yeah, the Dolphins are tough because I love so much of what they do. Like, let's get it out of the way. Best wide receiving core in the NFL? Uh, I don't know if you can say best right away, but goddamn, is it fast and the type of wide receivers that I want. Last year, well, not even last year, at the end of the season, when we were looking at free agency, we were both talking about how like Cedric Wilson would be an awesome wide wide receiver too for the Browns to add, like along with Amari Cooper to build a good wide receiving core for Baker Mayfield. A lot of things have changed. Uh, Like, holy shit, almost every facet of that conversation is irrelevant now. What a long few months it's been. But it doesn't change the fact that Cedric Wilson is that good. Like he could be a bona fide two and they have him in the slot. He'll be their clear third receiver at best because Tyree Hill is the best receiver in football and Jalen Waddle is the best prospect I've scouted at wide receiver probably ever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah, you had a pretty crazy grade on him. Well, maybe Jamison Williams up there with him. It, that, that was who I was thinking of is I really love Jamison Williams and it's tough to say, but yeah, I mean like he's, he's right up there. These are elite prospects we're talking about. Um, That's just a lot of badass speed before and after the catch. And then you got yeah, it's Mike a Ricky Siki. Bobby offense, man. Yeah, but then you also Ricky got Mike Siki, who's like a legit possession receiver. You can go up and get the ball. Yeah, my only issue with why I don't say it's the best wide receiver room is that it's kind of those three. 
like they have no depth at receiver. And I know I'm kind of picking nits when I go, oh, only three good receivers, one of which is elite. Um, I would argue two of which are elite. But I, I think a, it's too early to say. I know that's too early to say. But they don't they don't have much depth, though. Like one of those guys gets hurt. They they get limited pretty quickly. But the top end talent is 100 percent there. And yeah, I mean, you talk about Gesicki is one of those hybrid receiver tight end guys of he's just a big a big receiver for them, basically. And so he gives them that just possession side of like, OK, we need a guy to make a tough catch that complements incredibly well to the just wicked separation and speed of Waddle Hill and Wilson. Well, because because those receivers are going to take away your safeties. You're not going to be able to collapse anybody in the middle of the field. And all of a sudden, boom, you've got Mike Kosicki standing there as a gigantic target 10 yards downfield on a curl and nobody to cover him. Yeah. I mean, the issue is that the person that's going to keep the safeties in plays on the Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's the scary part, right? Is like the elephant in the room when talking about the Dolphins who honestly have a pretty fucking good roster. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Like we'll save Tua for last because we've spoken a lot on it. It's going to be, I mean, that's the thing. But if you look at their offensive line too, like Toronto Armstead, Offensive tackle three in the NFL, like definitely top five. Yeah, he's up there. I mean, he's undoubtedly elite. Yeah, it's like it's like Bakhtiari and Trent Williams, and like that's that's the tier one. And then right after that, next guy up is probably Teron Armstead. And then Liam Eikenberg is a perfectly solid left guard. Connor Williams was a really good right guard. Now he's a center. He was a solid tackle. I can only imagine he's going to be really good at center if they're moving him. You know, like if you're going to move a guy from a position he's really good at, I can only imagine it's because he's going to be great there. So that's the hope. Yeah, the logic follows, but it is a little bit of a projection. It's a little projection, but if he's if he's exactly as good at center as he was at guard, that's three really good offensive linemen right there. Boom. Well, Liam Eikenberg isn't really good, but he <laughs> I is, say we, we can take away the really. He's he's solid. He's solid. Robert Hunt is a little less than solid. He's like a C plus yeah, player. Great. And then Austin Jackson is a wild card because freak athlete, dude can dunk and five-star recruit, first round pick out of USC. He was really good at USC, but coming out of USC, it was it was very obvious right away. Like, oh, this dude's going to need coaching because he is raw. And then he yeah, proceeded- well, because he, he, he was the guy that had the bone marrow transplant when he was at USC. So he like lost a year and lost a ton of strength and everything. So they That's talked scary. about he just had to spend a ton of time just getting into a football body. And USC had terrible coaching for a while there with Clay Helton. Like everybody that came out of USC, we just saw with Drake Jackson, who just came out of USC as well, defensive end, super high recruit, really freaky athlete, never developed at all because they just couldn't fucking coach football down. Um, And then Austin Jackson, who is this project, this freak athlete who needs a little work. Naturally, he walks directly into the least functional offensive line coaching staff in the NFL. Under Brian Flores, they went through three offensive line coaches in three years. <laughs> Something like that. That it was just an absolute circus. And and in my film study of two of this past summer, the first thing I realized was this offensive line is not getting beat because like dudes are just outmatching them, outplaying them, whatever. They're mostly getting beat because they don't know who the fuck to block. Like they're they're going the wrong way. And that's coaching, if you ask me. So either Austin Jackson is fucking brain dead and nobody ever noticed until he got to the NFL, or there might have been some problems with the extremely chaotic and unhealthy coaching staff in Miami. And ostensibly that's been fixed. I think a really good indicator we're going to get is how Teron Armstead plays. Yeah. Because he's the one guy. I mean, I know Connor Williams is new to there as well, but Teron Armstead we've seen play. No is an elite player. 
And so I think if we see him getting confused, then or, you know, he's playing really well, but the rest of the guys are still running around with no idea what they're doing, then maybe those guys just suck. And Austin Jackson is a bust and Leon Meikenberg is not a great pick. Robert Hunt is Robert Hunt. But ideally, you see Teron Armstead playing like he normally does and he can help bring along the other dudes. Yeah, so he'll be kind of like the bellwether and very quickly, a couple weeks into the season, you'll be able to tell if this offensive line is going to be good or if it's going to be a fucking disaster. Like The more disproportionately good Teron Armstead looks, the worse it's going to be for the rest of the year, which is kind of odd to say. Um, On defense, again, defense doesn't totally matter. And I think that the defense will take a step backwards because I think that Flores, for all of his warts, was a really good defensive coordinator. Yeah, undoubtedly. But they still have, their, their front four on most downs is going to be Chris Christian Wilkins, B plus A minus defensive tackle, Raekwon Davis, B to B plus nose guard, Emmanuel Ogba, B defensive end, and Jalen Phillips, who is a rising star. As long as he doesn't get another concussion, the dude's a monster. Uh, And then they have Melvin Ingram rotating in on third downs. You know, he's never going to be in shape again, but when he's on the field, he'll be good. And I love their safeties. Brandon Jones and Javon Holland. Javon Holland is a lot like what Honey Badger was when Honey Badger was young. And Brandon Jones is an extremely versatile safety. He could play free or strong. He could play corner. He could play slot. He could do everything. I really like him. I remember he was a draft darling of yours out of Texas you had him like the second ranked safety or first ranked safety in that class he was second behind Ashton Davis yeah who Jets fans hate but Jets fans also hate a lot of good things and love a lot of bad things uh Jets fans they don't make good decisions that's why they're here in the first place uh Byron Jones is wildly overrated and always kind of has been but Xavier Howard's a great corner like a really great corner he's not elite quite but he's very close he's Xavier Howard is a lot like what people think Stefan Diggs is really good zone corner great size awesome ball skills he'll take some risks but he'll make some plays on the ball you mean the Diggs that plays cornerback god damn it Trevon there you go I'm getting you today Aiden's dead it's late um yeah so they've got one great corner two great safeties Second corner, a little bit of a weak spot. Mackenzie Alexander is good, especially in the slot, but he's on IR. Uh, Byron Jones is serviceable. He's hurt for the moment. We don't know when he'll be back. I think he's on pup. Yeah, they put him on pup today. Nick Needham, he's a white corner and he plays like it, but he'll be in the right spot when he's getting toasted. <laughs> Luckily, I do think Eric Rowe can step back outside to cornerback in a pinch, and I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, Keon Crossan's also there. He can man the slot fairly well. So the personnel's all right. You know, we, we really like the offensive personnel. The defensive personnel is solid. I was going to say, talking about all this like how do we have them as a fate we know the most important parts of a team's composition are the offensive play calling slash coaching and i say that that way for a reason and the quarterback the quarterback is two attack of iowa the worst starting quarterback in the nfl i'm not going to go into it that much it's it gets everybody knows he's got a super weak arm it's worse than that like there's other problems pocket presence not good his accuracy is not very good and his precision is not very good there's really no redeeming qualities um other than his incredible ability to create a fervent cult of support um to a non don't say their name i'm sorry cut it i'm not cutting it um i've been making faux pas left and right yeah well if you want to know more about why i think Tua sucks where do they go they go to the free patreon there is no cost pick sold separately um no i was gonna say they go to the very first segment of the very first uh quarterback ranking podcast from the summer because he's literally the fucking first one we talked about because we did it in reverse order and he's the worst he's the worst starting he's a warm-up to mac jones he's the warm-up to the warm-up to the warm-up to mac jones mac jones is like the fourth or fifth two is the worst it's the it's it's bad 
It's bad. Okay. It's really bad. Uh, and there's not a lot of redemption. He literally cannot challenge down the field because he literally cannot throw the ball far enough. Tuanon will say, didn't you see the preseason throw to Tyreek Hill? It was 55 air yards. It was 45 yards downfield. And I will say Tyreek Hill had to stop running and dive to his left to catch that ball. That's not good. And in a real game, oftentimes that will result in at least a play on the ball by the defensive back, if not an interception. That is a tough look. And frankly, none of this would matter if Tua had the anticipation and the ability to progress through his reads quickly so that he might throw the ball to a Tyreek Hill who's already burnt his his man earlier, therefore hitting him in stride and leading to a touchdown. Tua doesn't have to throw the ball 50 yards downfield to Tyreek. He can throw a 25. He's just got to be on time. And he's not because he's not fucking par- particularly great at processing either. Turns out he's not fucking good at anything. I'm approaching Mac Jones levels of ranting, so I will stop myself and we will talk about your buddy, Mike McDaniel, because this is a scary part. My sober king, he scares me a little bit as well. Um, He's a strange dude. I was going to say he's weird. And the fact that we're both leading with that when we're football oriented speaks to just how fucking weird he is. Yeah, I mean, because there's a lot of room for different personalities. Uh, You know, guys that are quiet versus guys that are all in your face yelling and things like that. But uh, Mike McDaniel just seems like out there. Like he's going to go up to guys and be like talking about, I don't know, shuttle launches or something instead of about what offense they're running that week. Um, But everything I've heard about him from former Cleveland people to former San Francisco people, everyone's kind of stuck around with Shanahan and fall and Mike Daniels and done or Mike McDaniel. Um, they all love him. They say the players love him. Like he was a genius in helping to design everything. Everyone gets along with him and like, he's a goofball. So maybe his weirdness works, but it is a thing that like, we don't know. On top of that and more football related dudes never call the play. And while he was apparently the mastermind, the, uh, you know, the ringer behind the scenes with San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan, like there's a reason that multiple people were hired off of that offensive coaching staff to be head coaches before he was like Mike LaFleur in New York. He was, he was hired well, away admittedly, first. He's only an offensive coordinator. True. But, and McDaniel stuck around because, because that was the thing is San Francisco apparently would, was okay with LaFleur leaving, but they said McDaniel is not. I see. But they never promoted McDaniel to offensive coordinator and he never called a play. He was always the run game coordinator. And that's the other thing that worries me. Why is he the fucking run game coordinator? I don't care about the run. And I know San Francisco's run game was awesome. It is super revolutionary and great, but holy fuck, if they turn Tyreek Hill into a wide back, I'm going to shit. If they turn him into what they did with Devo Samuel or some shit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if, if this offense turns out to be like, we could throw sweeps to Tyreek Hill all day. I'm going to be furious. Tyreek should too. I don't know. He is built like a running back. No. He's thick. Is he? Yeah. You've seen pictures of Tyreek? He's like 40% shoulders. Is he really? He's so fucking fast and small. I just kind of assumed he was tiny. I also love the way that he smiles way too much in all of his pictures. Holy fuck, he is 200 pounds? Well, I'll be damned. At five foot ten? Yeah, man, he's 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 wide. The song remains the same. If they turn him into a fucking wide back, I will shit. It would be it would be a poor use of the resources. Yeah, the, I, the thing that gives me some faith with McDaniel is that he's already talked about it of that like plays all branch into other things. 
And so like they use a run that sets up four other plays. It goes from play action to boots to, you know, all kinds of other stuff or two other types of runs. And, and so it seems like he has a good handle on just using disguises. And like, that's part of what he used in the run that in Seattle that, or San Francisco, that is transferable to Miami of just creating confusing offenses that give different looks to defenses and makes it easy for Tua to just like have open throws. So you limit the processing issues, but he also could have no fucking idea what he's doing. And that's where it's really hard to predict with rookie head coach. I mean, we've talked about it a million times of how often you go and go, Oh, this guy's a great hire, you know, has a great resume, says all the right things in interviews. And then he gets to the job and he's just, an absolute mess like some aspect of it whether he forgets x's and o's or he's just a jerk that can't get along with anyone like something goes wrong and then there's the dude that everyone goes oh they hired him like he's barely done anything and then he has a great season i mean nick sirianni is the one we talked about a lot just because it was last year and oh, McVay. he was yeah i mean mcveigh doug peterson with the eagles as well i know he flamed out pretty quick but everyone thought that that was a terrible hire like what are they doing they got laughed at that whole offseason and then he won a super bowl two years later um i mean hugh jackson was lauded as a great pickup by the browns like great offensive mind had success multiple places and he's fucking hugh jackson he's god awful so like we have no idea going into the season that's why it's hard to like either handicap or boost the Dolphins based off of the head coach. But he's just very unique from most other head coaches. Yeah, like if if I could guarantee that Mike McDaniel is a genius, I would probably, like if he is what it sounds like he could be according to rumors, I'd be comfortable putting the Dolphins somewhere around like 18, 19. But I'm certainly not. Like, so I kind of split the difference. Like, Because if, he, if he's bad, and he could be not so good. He could be average, you know? He could be like another fucking coach. Yep. They've got the fucking worst quarterback in the NFL. They're not going to be so good. Exactly. You need you need him to be really good for them to have any shot. Yeah. And you need him to be very good to cover up for Tua because if he's not very good and he's not able to be creative enough to get the ball into their playmakers hands with minimal interference from the quarterback, then team's going to be really bad. It doesn't matter how good the rest of the roster is. If the quarterback can't complete anything or read a defense. So it's going to be on McDaniel to be really good and limit to his opportunity to tank a team. So if he can't do that, they're not going to have a super circular. (laughs) I mean, it was circular, but it makes sense. Like when you've got an abysmal quarterback, either your coach obviates that with scheme or you fail. And like we saw what Kyle Shanahan was capable of doing with Jimmy Garoppolo. This is less than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm going to assume that Mike McDaniel in his first year will be less than Kyle Shanahan. I think those are both safe bets. Yeah. So I'm not the most optimistic. But again, this is more simply, this isn't simply that we think that Miami sucks as much as it is just that we think that the market's kind of crazy. Yeah, the market's high on them. And Tua is just that disastrous. All right. Should we should we touch on the Jets just because like that will cap off the AFC East and be done with them? Yeah, I mean, I have very little to say uh, besides I think the coach is mids and a defensive head coach, which isn't great. Yep. They've gotten a little bit more talented. I mean, they've made some nice additions. 
um, on the defense. I like their receivers and Sauce Gardner, but yeah, outside that. Yeah, but the offensive line is, again, kind of an issue, especially as Mekhi Becton continues to be too large for his own skeleton. And you have a bust of a quarterback that's now hurt. Yeah. They're bad. They're Joe Flacco bad. ain't leading them anywhere. Actually, I think they've upgraded. High draft pick. Yeah. Um, what were you starting to say? What get upgraded? Well, I was just, I got derailed because I was thinking like, okay, God forbid they get like a top five pick. What do they do? Do they give up on Zach Wilson already? Probably should. I think they'd be smart too, especially because, well, this depends on where the pick is because ideally there are a couple blue chip prospects coming out at quarterback next year. I don't even know. But who knows? Because we are, again, getting way ahead of ourselves. But yeah, the Jets suck. Everybody knows they suck. If they had a different quarterback and a different coach, I would think that they actually have the bones of a pretty good team, but they don't. So they don't. So they aren't. So we won't bet on them and we probably won't bet against them because the spreads will be prohibitive. Yeah. It's just a team to kind of forget about for another season. That said, fortunately, we'll give them a little nugget here. Little nugget. They play the Ravens week one. The spread is already out of control. It's already at over a touchdown. That's an anchor right there. That's a teaser right there. The, oh, yeah. The Ravens will beat the Jets. I don't know by hook or by crook, but it will the fuck happen. Yeah. If if the Jets pull that week one off, I'd be okay with losing that money. I mean, you tease it down to just like money line or like minus two or something. It's like effectively money line. Yeah. And the Jets cover it. I, you know, that's just, I got beat. That's one you're okay with. Like, hey, sometimes they get you. God didn't want you to have that money. That was bad money. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of bad money, speaking of touching things quickly, why don't we talk about the Browns? You weren't going to let me. You didn't think I could follow that one. Um, I wanted it. (laughs) The Cleveland Browns. The algorithm has them ranked at a whopping number 28 in the league. Joe has them all the way up at 21. ESPN has them at 17 and Vegas has them at 14. Quite a spread. Yeah. And this is a little bit. So ESPN made their power rankings after knowing that Watson was suspended for 11 weeks. So, so that they think 17 is where they are with Brissett. Crazy talk. Uh, Vegas knew that Watson would be suspended for some amount of time. Didn't know how many games it would be. But quite frankly, if they were worth their salt, they thought it would be somewhere around 10 because it looked like equal possibilities of being a full season in zero. Uh, and it ended up being somewhere in the middle, which is what they should have been pricing in anyway. I, I, I guess somebody won uh, that debacle in that Vegas's projections were more apt. Um, Jacoby Brissett is not good. Jacoby Brissett does not protect the ball the way that you might have. Like, Jacoby Brissett is a shitty quarterback, for lack of better, more articulate terms. And most people think like, oh, boring, shitty quarterback probably protects the ball really well and he'll just be a game manager and it's fine. It's not quite the case. Jacoby Brissett will put the ball in harm's way. Dude fumbles a lot. Dude hits linebackers more often than he should. So he's he's bad. And as bad as you may have thought Baker Mayfield was last year when he was hurt, I assure you Jacoby Brissett is significantly worse. I, I think that that's pretty cut and dry. I don't think there needs to be too much more analysis there. No, I mean, we've seen him play a good amount in a handful of places now. And even some of them, like in Indy, where he kind of had the chance, like they, it was after luck retired, so it wasn't exactly planned, but they gave him a ton of games. They gave him the whole year with Frank Reich. Yeah, yeah. 
like he's he's just he's a backup like that is that is his ability he's gonna come in every now and then give you some good drives but for the most part you just hope that he doesn't lose you the game but he does that a little bit he couldn't beat out Tua last year he was on the same team and they gave him some starting snaps over Tua and he wasn't good enough to stick with it admittedly I'm sure Tua got a bit of a a leg up in that competition just by virtue of being a recent high pick the fact that he couldn't outclass the worst quarterback in the NFL the worst starting quarterback in the NFL anyway uh, it it says something no it's it, it bodes poorly if you're a Jacoby Brissett fan. So bad quarterbacking. The Browns have been lauded as having this elite fucking roster for years. And if you listen to the podcast last year or you follow either of us on Twitter, you probably know we don't quite agree with that. Although there are parts of it that are very good. Um, Their wide receivers are better this year than they have been, but they're still not great. Like Amari Cooper is a bona fide number one receiver. He's he's an A minus receiver. But Donovan Peoples-Jones is a project and David Bell is just young, unproven. And Jarvis Landry. Yes. They they've gone pretty lateral in just continuing to not address the wide receiver position. Um, I again Amari Cooper is the best wide receiver they've had there in quite some time, but he's still got availability issues and he's not like elite elite. He's just a, a good solid number one receiver. But then you go back to exactly what you've had the last couple of years of slow shifty, slow but shifty possession guy in David Bell slash Jarvis Landry and young but talented Donovan Peoples-Jones, who hasn't improved much since he's been in the league and continues to just be kind of like a toolsy prospect. Who is near the bottom of the league in terms of drops every year he's been in the NFL. Yeah, it's a tough look for the wide receiver room. Um, they don't, I mean, Jacream Grant, who has basically just been a returner everywhere he's gone, was getting considerable talk about getting playtime there because he was playing better than a lot of guys which I don't think is a good thing about, oh, Jakeem Grant was about to have a breakout year before he got hurt. I think it's more that, holy shit, these receivers are so bad that kick returner Jakeem Grant looks better than them. Yeah, I mean, like, I like Jakeem Grant, but I won't argue. He should be nothing better than a fourth wide receiver gadget guy. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, the offensive line is largely the same, except you've replaced J.C. Treader, who was great last year, with Ethan Pochich, who I think will be solid. Uh, yeah, it helps being protected by Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller, who are two of the best guards in the game. Yeah, and, but and they definitely have, going to be a step back from Treader. The, the, the tackles will be healthy again, so it'll be a great offensive line. For a couple line. weeks. For a, well, who knows? You say that, and then watch. This is the year they play the whole season. Um, yeah, exactly. On defense, it's feast or famine because Ward, Newsom, and Greedy Williams are three really, really good corners. But Grant Delpit and John Johnson the third are really shitty safeties, at least according to last year. John yeah, Johnson has then, played well before, but certainly not the fuck last year. No, the safeties are weak. And then you have the same issue on the D line where you have Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, which that's one of the best edge pairings in football. The best. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I mean, I think there, there's a little bit to be said about Miles is overrated. He is. Clowney is old, but. And he is, but they're it, still it, awesome. Yeah. But then you get to the defensive tackles and you have swim move only Jordan Elliott, uh, Taven Bryan, who the Jags didn't want. Taven Bryan is inbred. <laughs> Do you know that for a fact? <laughs> Or is this the same way Mitch Trubisky is inbred? 
Same but worse. Okay. It's bad. Um, sorry, that caught me off guard. Um, he fucking is inbred. I, I don't know if he is. Like, I, I, I don't know how related his parents are, but he fucking is. There are recessive traits, and they're presenting. He has a pre- he has a recessive phenotype. Uh, um, yeah. So he's starting. It's normally not good. <laughs> um, the child of a crime. But so you don't have anything at defensive tackle. I mean, Tommy Togi is like a mid-round prospect out of Ohio State that isn't going to be anything. Perrion Winfrey, there are a lot of people excited about him. I like it. But apparently he's looked like shit in training camp and hasn't done anything in preseason. So he's 24. So it's a bunch of guys that they're gambling on to do stuff they've never done in their careers before. Yeah, well put. So the Browns have that interesting approach of like, they really hammer the high priority positions of edge rusher and corner and then just don't care about anything else. Yeah, and and consequently, everything else is at the bottom of the NFL. It's probably the worst defensive interior. It's probably the worst safeties. And then Jeremiah Wusukoromo is a really good linebacker. I love him. But Anthony Walker and Sione Takitaki fucking suck. They're terrible. So Anthony Walker Jr. like just reads the play a second late every time and then is too unathletic to ever do anything about it. He's just always like following the people that make the tackle. Yeah, he's 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 a butt slapper guy. He's right there to pat the guy who actually makes the tackle on the ass as soon as the play ends. That's a perfect way to describe him. That's exactly what he is, especially because apparently he's an incredible locker room guy that everyone loves. He's he's because... just like uh, he's just like Telvin Smith coming out of Florida State. He's always next to the play, but he's not in the play. Yeah, um, he's not good. He can't nope. cover it all either. Uh, Taki Taki is an absolute missile, but that is the only thing he can do is run really hard at a ball carrier. But like if someone gets in his way or the ball carrier changes direction. I was going to say, God forbid somebody bad. changes direction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, forget coverage. Jacob Phillips, actually, I still think could be a decent player, but he gets hurt as often as anybody. Do you know why? No. Why does he get hurt? He's vegetarian. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Also might have done crimes. Yeah, I was about to say it. I I thought you were going to say karma because Anyhow. he's alleged to have done some pretty nasty crimes, but that's going down a road. We don't need to go down with the Cleveland Browns. We're going to talk crimes in Cleveland. We have a lot to get to before whatever the fuck Jacob Phillips might have done. Anyhow, speaking of something criminal, Kevin Stefanski's play calling, that cowardly bitch. Uh, the, the Browns are going to run the ball like 75% of the time this year. And Dude, it's going to be disgusting this season. With Jacoby Brissett, he's going to be like, guess we need to run more. And as good as Nick Chubb is, and he's fucking great, especially at running the ball when he's not asked to catch passes, dude, he could average five and a half, six yards a carry on like 50 attempts every game. And it's still less effective than like almost every passing quarterback in the NFL. Like Jared Goff is the check down king. He will not throw down the field. And even he gets like six yards per attempt, not completion, attempt. And that's like the best Nick Chubb could ever fucking do if nobody ever catches on and just stacks the box with 10 people. So the play calling is going to be shit. The quarterbacking is going to be shit. The roster has a ton of holes in it. And I just generally don't trust Kevin Stefanski to make a ballsy decision in any respect. I think so. we differ a little bit on Stefanski stuff because you just downright hate him. I do. I think he's a, a decent coach to even good for the first three quarters of a football game. 
and then anytime it's like a close game in crunch minutes, he just is the most conservative person ever. He just plays scared to me. And that's where he really ruins himself. And so that might be why, you know, it, it makes it a little bit worse because it's like you can see him be good and aggressive. He just never does it at the right times. Yeah, I think that that's probably a more appropriate take. And he does love getting addicted to the run. He, he does fucking love the run. Just give him one 10 yard run and he will run two more runs in a row, no matter how effective they aren't. Yes. So basically what our handicap comes down to is the Browns are still kind of riding high on this weird four-year-old narrative that they low-key have one of the best rosters in the NFL. And they very clearly have gaping holes all along the defense and they're not particularly good at wide receiver or quarterback, which are kind of important for passing the ball. And passing the ball is kind of important for winning games. And oh, by the way, their coach doesn't like passing the ball. So kind of just a lot of misconceptions and misappropriations of value. We're going to fade the Browns. It's going to be fun. Bet against them. Staying in the AFC North, we can go to a, another public favorite, a recent participant in the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals. The algorithm and Joe have the same ranking of 20 for the Bengals. ESPN has them all the way up at number five and Vegas has them at number nine. So another instance where we have a pretty big gap. Why are you so much lower? I, I think the entirety of this handicap simply comes down to Joe Burrow, right? I think so. Like, I don't think anybody believes that Cincinnati has like an elite defense. It's it's going to be basically the same as it was last year. They've got the the duo that we nicknamed White Lightning on um, defensive ends. Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson are both legitimately good, and they are finesse speed rushers despite white skin. It's it's almost like the skin doesn't apply to the football game being played. Don't understand. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> uh, their secondary still has Von Bell, and Jesse Bates took a step back last year. Cheeto Awuzie is great. Eli Apple, not as much, but not the worst. All in yeah, all, that guy gets clowned down a lot. I mean, he definitely, he's not, he's not good. No, but he's, but he's fine. B minus, he's fine. Yeah. So their defense is not going to stand out, but it's not going to kill them. Yeah, they've got some decent depth. I mean, uh, Dax Hill was a good ad for them. Um, I like uh, Joseph Asai as another rusher for them. Logan Wilson, I'm really high on. I know he's had a decent year. So they've got pieces to that defense. Uh, the offense, you know, we can run through everyone but Joe Burrow because that's going to be the meat of it. Yeah, I mean, like, they've got, Jamar they've got Chase, really good playmakers. Jamar Chase ended up being better than I thought last year. And it might not be sustainable that he just takes like 20% of his screens to the house. It might not be sustainable that he wins every jump ball. And it might not be sustainable that he fall, finds voids in broken coverages once a game. If you actually watch the games or even just look at the fucking PFF grades, Jamar Chase was average or worse in most of the games they played, but occasionally he was fucking unstoppable. And when he was fucking unstoppable, things went well for them. T Higgins is much more consistent, but much lower ceiling. Like he's a good, not awesome receiver. He's a very he's, good jump ball dude. That's his role and he does well at it. Yeah, he's he's basically if AJ Green had a bum ankle because he's slow AJ Green. He's got all the length and high point ability and just ball skills, but he's not going to do anything after the catch. He's not going to burn anybody deep. And Tyler Boyd's a very solid slot. I think Hayden Hurst is, he's certainly not a downgrade from CJ Uzama. He might be a little better, but Uzama was a lot like Austin Hooper in that he was just there in open voids 
and yeah. not fucking up. He was not good. Yeah. He just wasn't fucking up. They upgraded the offensive line. Jonah Williams is still a great technician at left tackle. Very solid. B to B plus tackle. They added L. Collins, who's a B plus right tackle. They added Alex Kappa at right guard. Alex Kappa is not actually very good. He's an upgrade over Hakeem Adeniji, but he's still a below average tackle. I have him as like a C plus guy. And then Ted Karras is like a C plus B minus guy at center. Jackson Carmen is still starting at left guard. That's not good. So the, their interior is still weaker, but it's a lot better than last year. And yep. Lyle Collins is a huge ad. Here's the yeah. issue. I mean, going from Riley Reef to Lyle Collins is an upgrade. I mean, it's, a, it's not a humongous upgrade because Riley Reef is solid, but it's definitely an upgrade. And then, you know, Jackson Carmen played last year, but Ted Karras and Alex Kappa are both upgrades over who did they have. I mean, I know Michael Jordan was there. Um, they have a, uh, Billy Price was at well, there at one point at center, and they traded him to the Giants and started, I don't know. Last year, they had a guard there. This that. Yeah, um, it was bad. It was all bad. Yeah, and now like it's they better. had just journeyman guards that were, were shitty. Yeah, it's better now. It's not good, but it's passable. Yeah. It's still a weak point, but it's passable. And it's not like the Browns are going to fucking test them up the middle with those defensive tackles. I digress. The, the issue is really going to come down to Joe Burrow because, first of all, he had 70 sacks last year, but many more than half of them were Joe Burrow's fault and Joe Burrow's fault alone. And again, we've been over this. Uh, while many people consider Joe Burrow an elite quarterback, I've got him somewhere in the middle. I've got him right around Dak Prescott. Kirk Cousins. He's got a lot of moxie. He's got a lot of swagger. And that means something. His, his confidence and his aggression are helpful, but he's an average player at best. We're talking about a guy. So I graded all 20 of his games last year, and, and we've been through it before, but I'll run through a few of the high points again. Out of his 20 games, he had zero graded B plus or better. Full stop. He had 35 turnover worthy plays, including 30 interceptable passes. Only 18 of those actually got picked. That's ridiculous luck that simply will not happen again. 43 of the 70 sacks that he took were his fault and his fault alone. And not in good, you know, it's one thing if it's like fourth down and you've got to try to make something happen and you take a sack trying to make a play. That happens. That's a good play, actually. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about sacks that were his fault, were avoidable, and should have been avoided. So you can make the offensive line a little bit better. He's still going to eat sacks at an inordinate rate because it's what he does. He's got, I don't know if he's got poor pocket presence or he's just fucking obstinate and has a higher opinion of himself than he should, but he takes sacks. He's got a weak arm. His deep ball isn't actually that great. It's just that his wide receivers keep on winning it. And really it just boils down to the market and ESPN believe that this quarterback is elite, one of the very best. And I think that he is, I'll tell you exactly where I rank him, the 19th best starting quarterback in the NFL, assuming Deshaun Watson counts. He bumps up to 18 if you take out Watson. Yeah, like, I, and I'm that is the central part of the evaluation for us. Um, I'm a little bit higher on Burrow because I can just be fooled by intangible things, I guess. Uh, and then I do believe there is something too that like he has a calmness in the pocket. He has a good feel for the game that is hard to kind of quantify watching him. But what we do physically see on tape is not as impressive as we're led to believe. I mean, people have started to come back a little bit on the Bengals um, Super Bowl run of they've understood there was a lot of kind of luck and the defense stepped up like crazy. And it wasn't really Joe Burrow going nuclear and saving that team. It was him like kind of being fine and other guys stepping up for them on top of just incredible luck. So I think it's come down a little bit, but he's still getting talked about as this stud quarterback because of results and not so much the process. 
And I mean, we both watched a good amount of tape on him. You obviously have watched like all of the tape on him. And we've not come like away with the same thing. <laughs> well, not all 729 motherfucking dropbacks. Uh, Many of the them NFL twice. Tape. All the NFL. Um, <laughs> it's so frustrating. And, and the guy hasn't done it. Like it's occasionally really cool, but it's just a lot of frustrating stuff. And pedestrian stuff so if he is what people talk about him as then yeah this is a pretty good team and they are probably in that vegas ranking of close to top 10 lower end of top 10 but we don't think he's that good he's fine he's actually to your point you make a great point if joe burrow was about as good as justin herbert like in that top five echelon the algorithm would have the bengals at the ninth ranked team that's exactly where vegas has them exactly the difference is we don't think that joe burrow is that good that is that is that is it so it comes down to on the bengals we think you should bet against them however it really is your your prerogative and depends on how you view joe burrow if you think joe burrow is a top eight quarterback top five quarterback then yeah you shouldn't fade him but if you agree with us and you think that he's an average guy just another dude throwing the ball bet against those motherfuckers and if you would like to develop a more informed opinion on joe burrow and the ins and outs of his football game you can find more info on my fucking patreon it's a free patreon no link there's a there's a link in the bio on my twitter as well as many posts with links to the specific articles and those articles are free the articles are free no no cost associated you don't need to subscribe to anything or make an account unless you want the pics which are sold separately pixels (laughs) all right should we knock out the Ravens and the Steelers or move on? Um, I, we, yeah, let's do them real quick. Again, these teams haven't changed a ton recently. Well, uh, Steelers kind of have. See, I don't, I don't think that it, it, that much has changed for them really, though. Like outside of quarterback, and I don't even think they're going through that material of a change of quarterback talent wise. No, they, they minimize the quarterback in that offense so much i mean like what they even add this this offseason like they added george pickens who's good he was um, my wide receiver for how many of the i their o-line was such a shit show last year that I, I i mean i knew chucks they just uh they just acquired somebody today jesse davis but yes is he any good no but he is a yeah he can their interior offensive line will not be a disaster the o-line's Should, not going to be good again no it's not gonna be good like poor Najee harris so much CTE. Yeah, because they're going to run him uh, 40 times a game. He's going to run directly into people 40 times a game. Fucking car crashes constantly. It's, it's going to be gory. It's going to, it's going to, if you enjoy watching the Steelers on offense this year, they should put you on a list. You're a sick person. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, quarterback, it, it's going to be probably Trubisky to start the year, but Kenny Pickett will probably play relatively soon. I'll tell you exactly when he'll play. Let's look at the schedule real quick. Uh, um, where is Pittsburgh? There we go. I don't know if it really matters either way, though. Like, I think Pickett oh probably is a little more consistent at getting the ball to the playmakers because they do have good playmakers. They got kind of a tough schedule. Pickett might not play until week 10 after the bye. 
I think that's probably a pretty good spot for him. Like Trubisky gets Cincinnati and he'll look good against New England and Cleveland. San Diego could be tough. Buffalo will be tough. Tampa Bay will be tough. Miami, who knows? Philadelphia should be pretty tough. Yeah. By week, New Orleans will be tough. That's a tough first game, man. Just going and having the New Orleans defense running at you. So then maybe they trot him out for Cincinnati, but that's in division. And then they go to Indianapolis and then they go to Atlanta, who we're kind of high on. Honestly, Kenny Pickett might not play simply because it's too hard to fit him in. I think they'll they'll be okay with it. Um, also, I think maybe we won't be so high on Atlanta by that point in the season. Uh, that's just my guess. That At that point, Atlanta will be undefeated. Marcus Mariota will have already eclipsed 4,000 yards by, what, week 11, week 10? Three. <laughs> Three. No, uh, the Falcons are going 0-2. And there's a decent chance that they start one in five, but yeah, they don't have the easiest start to the season either. Um, but that's a different, we already did that. You want more yeah. Falcons last week, last week was Falcons. And hopefully too, not too much during the season for my sake. It's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> the Steelers defense also might take a step back because Devin Bush and miles Jack are decent linebackers in the right situation. And they're in the exact wrong situation. So they will be bad. Uh, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith are still really good. And Cameron Hayward is still really good, but Tyson Alu is fading and Larry Ogunjobi is fat uh like he's not in shape he's skinny fat because he doesn't weigh enough but he's not quick and he's failing physicals left right and center uh Levi Wallace and Cameron Sutton are not good starting cornerbacks and Terrell Edmonds is somehow still playing that's yeah I, I don't understand how that guy continues to survive well it's because they, they got Kyle Carl Joseph to start instead of him and he is on IR and they got Demonte Casey who was gonna start ahead of him and he's on the pup so they have a linebacker playing strong safety They've they've had him play strong safety for like three years. Yeah, that's how we know he's a linebacker. <laughs> they just like I, I don't even understand why he's on the team. Terrell Edmonds needs to move up to linebacker, and his brother Tremaine needs to move up to defensive end. They're both just playing one slot too far back. <laughs> Should write some letters yeah. to coaching staffs. The Steelers are not going to be very good, and Baltimore is going to continue just doing the thing that they do, especially now that they're healthy again. They're going to beat the fucking shit out of every bad team they play, and then they're going to not beat the good teams because Lamar Jackson is a problem. He cannot pass. Yeah. I mean, it's just a classic thing of if they can run on you and get ahead, they're going to be in pretty good shape. But if they can't run on you or they can't get a lead, which are normally hand in hand for them, then they're kind of fucked. Yeah. Um, You know, we've we've talked a lot about Lamar Jackson. Uh, He's an incredible runner. They're going to be able to run the shit out of the ball. Uh, They're going to stress the hell out of defenses because they are going to be able to do kind of what they want running it. Yeah. The the offensive line is pretty well suited to just bully. Kevin Zeitler is a run first guy. Uh, ben God, Powers so- uh, is solid. Ben Cleveland is he not starting? Um, no, but I like him Zeitler and Powers. And then Kevin or Tyler Linderbaum. I love him. What a what a prospect. Ronnie Stanley can't really stay healthy, but he's really good. I mean, you have a little bit of a weakness on the right side. Morgan Moses is fine. And God but forbid he, his game goes to hell. You got Daniel Falele, who I love. Yeah, exactly. So they've they've got depth and it's just a bunch of maulers. But then you go to Lamar can't pass and the wide receivers are fucking not great. Devin Duvernay we like, but not in yeah. that well, you know all of the their wide receivers, receivers are probably a little underrated. Exactly. I was going to say all of their wide receivers are dudes who might be good if they were in an offense that passes the ball well, but they're not. 
so nobody thinks they are so we can't say that they're good like Devin Duvernay might be a really good like number two wide receiver in the NFL we don't know we haven't seen him catch balls yeah well we will never see it there Rashad Bateman could be either like just a solid dude or he could be a really good kind of jack of all trades good receiver we won't and again we are not gonna know until he leaves Baltimore and there's a reason that Baltimore lost what three starting wide receivers this year is because they want to get the fuck out of it yeah um but you get to the strength of this team which is the defense, the defense. Is oh my god it's it's just so ridiculous when they got Marcus Williams I was like this is just unfair like that yeah, like, secondary is fucking disgusting Marlon Humphrey arguably the best corner in the league when healthy Marcus Williams arguably the best free safety in the league Marcus Peters one of my favorites one of my first like under the radar dudes amazing ball skills the new Asante Samuels just taller I don't like their yeah and fucking insane I don't like their pass rush abilities like Tyus Bowser and the man formerly known as Jason Owe Odafe Owe like they're not good they're I don't love it but that's kind of the way they've structured their defense for the last like eight years I don't know how accurate eight years is but for a while now where they don't have any studs it's just like a bunch of guys that they throw in in weird situations and always rush for and just try and confuse and then drop everybody else so they don't have to get there that quick or anything. They just have to maintain discipline and like put pressure generally collapsing the pocket. Yeah, and they will. And their front three will be stout against the run and it'll be difficult to play against. And by the way, there's a decent chance that Kyle Fuller and or Jalen Armour Davis break back out after injury riddled and somewhat suspect years in 2020. Yeah, I was going to bring up that you just skipped over like a guy that has been a a favorite of yours for as long as I've known you and Kyle Fuller. Uh, Kyle Fuller is the last Bears draft pick that I was legitimately happy about. I was fucking ecstatic. He was my favorite player in that draft, aside from Aaron Donald. Uh, Literally, I I was like, oh, I want Aaron Donald. I think we can get him and Kyle Fuller in the first and second round. And then Aaron Donald got too much hype. And I was like, fuck, we're not going to get Aaron Donald. We better get Kyle Fuller. And we did. It was amazing. And now the year after that, my Bears fandom died. He was terrible in 2021. He was really bad in Denver. I don't, it was like he was drunk because it wasn't, that he was physically gone he just wasn't there mentally i guess i don't know it was bad so god forbid he figures his shit out right and then jalen armor davis was a really high recruit who's a freaky athlete but he got hurt last year and he hardly played and when he did play he was clearly hurt so it's tough to tell just how good he'll be he's the george pickens of cornerback uh basically the same fucking dilemma and circumstances surrounding his draft stock. If either of those two lottery tickets cashes, and I think they both have about a 40% chance of cashing, well, fuck, now they're three super good cornerbacks deep. Yeah, you can't pass them. Yeah, and like, yeah, unless Kyle Hamilton's on the field and you find him and you just... You just exploit him, but yeah. I'm so curious to see what happens with him because I think he can be a great linebacker. He could be a great linebacker, but apparently they're not playing him there. I feel like they're too smart. Like there are two well-coached teams. That's another part of the Ravens is they're one of the best coach teams in football. Yeah, no, they really are. 
But outside of play calling, they are the best. Like it might not be Andy <sighs> Reid levels of offense. It might not be Sean McVay levels of offense. It might not be Kyle Shanahan. But if you just, you know, special teams, whether or not to go for it, aggressiveness, these kinds of things. Knowing best. funky rules and exploiting them. Yeah. I mean, John Harbaugh is incredible at that. Also, the thing that always infuriates me with the Ravens is the Ravens cheat like crazy. They just know that the refs won't call them for penalties on every play. Yep. Like they hold more than anybody in the league on offense and defense. Yeah, but, but they know that the refs will get tired of it and put away the whistle. Yeah. So that's what, like Marlon Humphrey. I, I love Har- Marlon Humphrey. He's an, an amazing cornerback that has an argument as the best in the league. That dude holds so much. Every play. But it's because they're coached too, because they know. Like it, it's so it's just smart stuff where you can't even get mad at them. You're just like, all right, yeah, you kind of beat the system on that one, man. But that's where I'm surprised they haven't figured out that Kyle Hamilton should play linebacker. And maybe they will. But yeah, John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh basically is what everybody thinks Bill Belichick is regarding the the nuances of the game. Yeah. All right. I think we polished off the AFC North. Yeah. Going to be probably way more disappointing than anyone expects it to be. And the Ravens will win it by default. Yep. But hey, that's AFC North football, baby. Got one more. Finish up the fades. One more fade. The last team we're going to go in depth about the Denver Broncos. The algorithm has them ranked at number 18. Joe has them all the way up at number 11. ESPN has them at 12 and Vegas has them at number seven. So the algorithm's real low on these guys, but everyone else, not, not as bad. Yeah. And it basically just, uh, this is another pretty simple handicap. It's about the quarterback. It's about Russell Wilson. What are we going to get from him? And we've got a few years now, or two years really, of sample size of him not being very good. And you can make excuses till the cows come home. I know he had hammer, mallet, blunt object finger. Mallet and, finger. Yeah. I also had mallet finger. Russ and I are brothers. That, that, that's how that works. <sighs> You're like Eskimo brothers, but for busted finger blast. It's not a great comparison, but we, we march on. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, we admit, I, I think everybody would admit Javante Williams is a really good running back. Jerry Judy is a really, really good wide receiver. And Cortland Sutton's a really, really, really good wide receiver. I love KJ Hamler, and it looks like he might fucking finally be healthy for once. The offensive line. We'll see how long this. Yeah, for right. The offensive line is going to be interesting because it looks like Billy Turner is going to be healthy at right tackle. So him and Garrett Bowles will be okay. And then Dalton Reisner and Quinn Minerts will be draft Twitter's favorite guards of the last five years, which should amount to like B minus guard play. They should be solid. Yeah, the whole line should be okay enough. Yeah, We know that Russell Wilson will take a sack behind a good offensive line, much less an okay enough one. I was going to say, I mean, I don't think, it, you know, they're not a bad offensive line. They're probably on par with about what Russ has had the last couple of years. Yeah. Of solid O-line. And they're not great. They're going to give up some pressure, but most of the sacks are still probably going to be Russ's fault. Well, here's here's the thing. So we, we Russell Wilson's probably going to disappoint the market. He's probably not as good as the market thinks because a lot of people still think of him as a top five, maybe top 10 quarterback. And I just don't think that's right. Additionally, we've got a first time play caller. Sorry, a first time head coach in Nathaniel Hackett. He's not a first time play caller. He's called plays three times before in both Jacksonville and Buffalo thrice. He has led the NFL in rushing in both a, in, in sorry, he's led the NFL in rushing attempts every time he's called plays before in the NFL. If that's what the Broncos do again, that's just not a very efficient game script. And he will be a lesser head coach than people will imagine simply because he's calling less efficient plays. The thing that sounds kind of hilarious about this is that this is beginning to look like a complete lateral move on offense. 
absolutely fucking correct. And you've stolen the words from my mouth. It is the exact same hey, shit. I'm sorry to steal your thunder like that, but I was like, so this is just Seattle, but orange instead of highlighter. Broncos County mount up or ride on or whatever the fuck he says. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you know who Jerry Judy plays a lot like? It's Tyler Lockett. Like, that's my fucking comp for him. You know who Cortland Sutton plays a lot fucking like as a tall, fast, jump ball receiver? DK Metcalf. He's better. He's a better version, but that's the style. And KJ Hamler is just something Russ has never had, but it doesn't matter because Russ doesn't throw short routes. Because like Kyler Murray, he can't throw over the offensive line. It'll hit them in the butt. (laughs) So he's got to throw a screen, and that's just not that helpful. He's got to throw outside. And Russ does have the lauded moon ball, the skyscraper ball, the rainbow perfect go ball. You got to use that if you can. It's the only thing keeping him as a plus starter in this league. You take away that deep ball, he is below average. That moon ball is still gorgeous. It's the best. It's the best in the NFL. Nobody throws but a deep if ball. If you run cover to shell like teams have been doing against him for the last two seasons or year and a half, yeah, you can largely eliminate it. And he can't run anymore like he once could. He just doesn't. He's not fat. Go look. At, go Google Russell Wilson. Limit your search to the last six months. Dude's gotten chubby. He's not running away from anybody. So yeah, he's he's rejoined the Seahawks, except he's a year older, and they have a tougher division. Defense a lot better. Is it? Because that's the next point. Their edges aren't very good. Bradley Chubb kind of sucks, and Randy Gregory is really good when he plays, and he never plays. Because like Darren Waller, he's always either high or hurt, except he didn't stop getting high necessarily. (laughs) Yeah, he just stopped getting high around when they test him. He just stopped getting caught while high. He now lives in fucking Denver. I'm going to imagine he'll be high. Hey, legalize it, bro. You can go ahead and legalize it, but it doesn't change the fact that if he gets popped, he's gone. And because he's already test for it anymore, unless you're already in the program and he Ah, is, which he is very, very staunchly in the program. Their their front three of Deshaun Williams, Draymond Jones, and DJ Jones is just gonna it's gonna stop the run. You won't be able to run against them very easily. I'll give you that. But again, no edge presence because Bradley Chubb is mids out the ass. Randy Gregory's awesome when healthy, but he misses time. And as much as I like Nick Benito, he's not ready and he's also super weak. Their secondary, Ronald Darby, another one of my guys. There's a 33% chance that he's an elite corner in any given year of his career. There's a 33% chance that he's just barely passable. And there's a 33% chance that he fucking sucks. I don't know what to do with that. Roll the old three-sided die. Sure. Uh, You've also got Kareem Jackson, who's like 48 and no longer any good at all. You know it's bad when they've shifted you from cornerback to slot cornerback to free safety to strong safety. You're going through every evolution to not retire. Like next year, you're a linebacker, bud. It's not going well. And then Justin Simmons, low-key, didn't look so good last year. Well, it was strange. Both him and Jesse Bates had uncharacteristically rough years. Yeah, I think they're both solid. Honestly, Justin Simmons, before last year, is a really, really good corner. He just, or sorry, free safety. He just didn't quite look the same last year, and maybe it's because... Did he get paid? Did he get paid before last season or after? Because I know he got paid. I think it was after. I think he just got paid. Uh, I don't know. I think it was before. March 19th, 2021, agrees to a four-year $61 million deal. All right, so that's not so good. So he might have gotten the gotten his, uh, what, $16 million a year and said, sounds pretty good to me, Denver. <laughs> uh, verbal meme, uh, big cat in a suit with a gaudy chain realizing he has been busted. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's not good. Kawan Williams is a good slot corner. 
but yeah, there's yeah. just so many holes in this defense, and that's largely I mean, what, what's that? I don't, I don't think the defense is like that bad. The safeties are passable. Call the passable. Safeties are passable. I don't they think, think Kareem Jackson is, but I think that Justin Simmons definitely is. So yeah, it and like it'll average out. I mean, I overall like the corners. I mean, Ronald Darby is a little bit of a toss up. Like, we what if Ronald about. Darby's bad? Ronald Darby. He's that old. Does Ronald put Darby you too. a bit into a bind, but Kwan Williams really good slot. Yeah, good slot. Pat Sertain's great. Yeah, the best. So best, like most you, perfect cornerback to ever. Yeah, I, so I think you have an above average secondary, not by much, but above average secondary. You hope. Yeah, and you're right. They won't get much pass rush juice, but I think they're going to be really good stopping the run. They'll keep stuff in front of them. I mean, it's not going to be a good defense, but it's solid. Kind of sounds a lot like Seattle two years ago. No, you're you're right, but it's not as bad as Seattle now. No, Seattle now needs to be torn down and shot. But Russell Wilson threw a big fucking fit and moved a few hundred miles to just do 2018 Seattle over again. They made the playoffs that year, didn't they? To the extent that they did, they weren't going heads up with the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely hurts. I mean, the division wasn't terrible then. Uh, The Rams have been good for a bit now. 49ers were good. That was Jared Goff. Hey, they went to a Super Bowl, man. It's a tough defense to play against. So did Joe Burrow. I think we've made a few cases here. <laughs> we're, we're coming back on things. And Jimmy um, Garoppolo. Oh, my God. Oh, the Galapagos. Uh, new contract haver, Jimmy Galapagos. Yeah, Definitely highest, not highest paid backup in the NFL at $6 million, ignoring all of the backups that make a lot more than that, of which there are several. I was about to say, that's, that's Keith Keenum money. Dude, um, literally... Adam Schefter reported he is now the highest paid backup at six million. And it's like, dude, Sam Darnold makes 18. Yeah, whatever. You mean Adam Schefter not being great at reporting facts? Carrying water like a sponge, my friend. We have gotten well detoured. Uh, The the Broncos are kind of just the Seahawks of a few years ago. Yeah, which is a fine fine team. Yeah, they're solid. They're probably going to run the ball too much. We'll see if Russ can over overcome the too high shell. Probably can't. And we'll see if the defense can create any problems in the passing game. Probably can't. Which then leads to being what is probably the worst team in the AFC West. Which again, not not the craziest bar to reach because the AFC yeah. West is nuts. Like their ceiling is third place in their division in a, in a second wild card spot. Yeah, that's if everything goes like ideal. Yeah, I don't think it will. Nope. So yeah, that's why we're we're a little lower than uh, Vegas is on Denver. So probably a, a little bit softer of a fade, but definitely a fade as well. Bet against them. We were speaking a lot about two high shells. Let, let's touch on Kansas City. Chiefs are really good. They got the best head coach in Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes is overrated. He's super overrated, but he's also really, really good. And they lost the best receiver in football, but then they added like three dudes who are legitimate starters. Marquez Valdez Scantling will do all the deep routes that Tyreek used to. Juju Smith-Schuster is a solid possession receiver. Sky Moore will be a savant out of a slot, I believe. And Nicole Hardman might one day break out and learn how to play wide receiver. The offensive line's great. Nothing needs to be said there. The defense is going to give up points, but it won't really matter. Yeah, it's it, kind of the same thing as the Bills. They, they did add uh, Trent McDuffie, though. So Trent McDuffie and LeJarius Neve is actually a pretty goddamn good cornerback duo. 
Yeah, and then I really like the combo of Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed. I do too. They have uh, they have one defensive line. Chris Jones is yeah. awesome, and then everybody else should go home. He's the only guy worth a shit in their front seven. George Karloftis should be a defensive tackle, not a defensive end. Derek Noddy sucks. Frank Clark should be in prison, but Los Angeles doesn't infor- enforce their gun laws. Uh, Nick Bolton is young and might become a good linebacker. Willie Gay has been really disappointing, and not for the reasons we thought. We thought he might be disappointing because he'd go to prison. It turns out he was disappointing because he can't cover as well as we thought he could. And I, I like Leo-, Leo Chanel, but he's a rookie. Yeah, so that's it's a tough spot. Now, it does help that there should be if they're going to be good at anything, they're going to be good against the pass. Yeah, but not rushing it. No, people are going to run all over them. But if you're up by three touchdowns all the time, exactly, teams have to throw against you. Well, I mean, even if they're what I meant by rushing it is like they're not going to rush the pass. They're not going to no. get pressure. No, yeah, you're correct. But, you know, three pass breakups is the same as a couple sacks. So, yeah, they'll be really good. They're, yeah. I don't uh, think they're on the they're... level. I don't think they're on the level of Los Angeles or Tampa, but they're really good. They're my third ranked team. I have them slightly better than Buffalo and Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, they're going to take a little bit of a step back because losing Tyreek will do that to you. Yeah. But, but they, they replaced him with a very viable kind of offense that's different and probably yeah. more effective versus the too high. Yeah. And teams are going to have to play you more straight up because I can't just go, okay, where's Tyreek? Go put two guys over. Yeah. And then Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to stretch the defense out and then you're going to throw it underneath the Sky Moore, who's the reincarnation of Golden Tate. Yak will ensue and they will score 35 a game. Yeah. And you have Andy Reid fixing this uh, this loss. But I still think you're always going to take a step back when you lose the number one receiver in this. I don't care how well you put down. That's a, that's a fairly safe. I can I can get behind that. Fair enough. Thank you for going out on a limb for me. I'll remember this. Uh, do you want to go to their other AFC West counterpart? Yes, yeah, San Diego. Uh, I agree with the algorithm, having them sixth, and ESPN has them eighth, and Vegas has them twelfth. So I guess we're a little higher than Vegas, but I don't like. I I hate them. So the issue is that they have an elite, if a borderline elite, if not elite quarterback. Quarterback three in Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, my guy. Vindication. I dance on your graves. He's fantastic. Suck it, good, losers. Suck it, losers. They've got good receivers and a good running back, and their offensive line is getting better. They added uh, Khalil Mack, who's not what his name suggests, but he's still a very good second pass rusher to go with Joey Bosa. They added JC Jackson, who's their new number one corner, and now they have a singular outside corner worth a goddamn. But I hate their coaching, and it's really all it comes down to. If they had average coaching, this would be a top five team. This would probably be the best team in the AFC. They got the best quarterback in the AFC. They have very few holes on offense and defense. They just won. Brandon Staley? Brandon? Yeah. It's a dumb name. I have a cousin named Brandon. I don't like him either. Um, He's stupid. Uh, I see a pattern. Brandon Staley is just the classic idiot who stumbled upon what smart people think and doesn't know how to use it. Like he knows the facts, but he can't comprehend them. He's like, oh, on fourth and three, people almost always convert for a first down. And it's like, yeah, but if they were going for it on fourth and three, they were probably using their best play in the playbook and their players probably got real amped up for it because it was crunch time. You do it all the fucking time. So it's like your 72nd best play. You see how it's less effective? No, he don't fucking see. He don't fucking understand. So he's going to do dumb shit. 
He's going to turn the ball over by being too aggressive, the anti-Vrabel. And Joe Lombardi has never seen a three-yard route he doesn't want his quarterback to throw. He's also never seen a 10-yard route he wants his quarterback to throw. It is the most dink and dunk offense in the NFL, despite having such a talented quarterback. Matt Canada and Joe Lombardi probably would have a really good time having a couple beers and talking about how offenses shouldn't throw the ball down the field. Uh, I'm pretty sure they attend a support group with Adam Gase as well as Jim Bob Cooter on Wednesdays. It's bad. It cripples this team. And it will be the difference between them being a Super Bowl contender and struggling to make the playoffs. I think they make the playoffs, but I don't think it's clean. Also noteworthy, uh, Brandon Staley, for all of his defensive wunderkindness, had the 29th ranked run defense, the 28th ranked scoring defense, and like the 28th ranked passing defense. Effectively, he sucks at the thing he's supposed to be good at. Is he Matt Patricia? Maybe. Well, obviously it was because he didn't have Khalil Mack last year. Yeah, that'll change everything. Mm-hmm. They they now will be able to stop all those runs up the middle that they were just completely incapable of defending last year. I'm just glad that Jerry Tillery is still starting. I I actually have not followed Jerry Tillery's NFL career at all. I just remember thinking he would be decent. It's so when bad. He was coming out in the draft. It's, Is he bad? Oh, it's so bad. Nice. I'll show you PFF. It's not good. I remember he had a rough first year, but it was kind of like, hey, you know, he's a rookie. Shit happens. Those are, those are some tough numbers. He had a 46 last year per PFF, following a 43 and a 35. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that rookie was, that was real rough. Tackled well. Hey, when, when you're a defensive tackle and your coverage numbers are your best numbers. Effectively by default. Yeah, it normally doesn't bode well for your career. Jerry Tillery should not be on a football field. Doesn't doesn't seem like it. So yeah, I my 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 handicap on the Chargers literally is there's a ton of talent. Will their coaching let them use it? I expect the answer to be not entirely. It'll be fun to watch though, because Justin Herbert will do magic. He's fucking great and he's only getting better. And they do have some studs on that deep. I mean, JC Jackson is real good. Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa together is a pretty fucking electric tandem. There are three teams we haven't talked about. What the AFC all, South? All in the AFC South. Bro, who fucking cares? Dude, right? Like, okay, we've been high on Tennessee for the last like five years, but not anymore. I'm at my breaking point with Vrabel. Tannehill has burned. fallen off a little bit, and that's all it took. They have no wide receivers. They're starting Caleb Farley at cornerback. I'm not too far off the market. Like the market has them 11. I have them 10. I think for the first time they lose the division to Indianapolis. They probably make the playoffs, but Dude, I don't even know if they'll be that good. Uh, they'll probably make playoffs just because expanded playoffs now. Um, like it's it's gonna come down to them and Oakland, basically, right? I feel like Oakland takes that Raiders. Sorry. Um, but I, who knows? The we'll, difference is we'll Tennessee get, Tennessee gets to play Jacksonville and Houston four times, whereas Oakland has to play Denver, San Diego, and Kansas City. And no, yeah. I will never update those locations. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, I just feel like Tennessee is just not good. Like the offense is fucking empty. Derrick Henry is their is their only hope. And he is now what, 29 as 28, 29? I was going to say 30. Is he 30? ESPN can figure this out for us. This is one of the few things they're good for. He's 28. He's 28. So he's t- 28, but he's a big dude. And now he's having foot problems. And 
that does not get any better. Like that's a, those are the injuries that then it's like, Oh fuck, he broke his foot again. Like Julio that completely tanked his career. So he's like their only hope on offense. And I think it's really stupid and the defense is maybe a little better, but they're not good. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to be any. No, the elite rosters that John Robinson had built for the last five years are kind of, they've gone by the wayside. The offensive line's a problem. The wide receivers are a problem. Traylon Burks is fat. Speaking of type two diabetes, he's a candidate. Uh, I love Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry's good, but I don't love Bud Dupree. I don't love Caleb Farley. I actually do love Christian Fulton, Elijah Molden, Kevin Byard, and Amani Hooker. It's so fucking hard. I love their secondary aside from Caleb Farley. I even like Roger McCreary. I love their star edge rusher. I don't like the second one. <sighs> If this team was coached by anybody other than Mike Vrabel, maybe. I don't know, because I feel like also that defense underperforms. Like, they should have been better last year. Well, last year they were good. The year before, they sucked. Yeah, I know, but, I, like, honestly, I think they should be with a Vrabel head coach, in theory. Well, the problem is that um, Vrabel's actually never coached a good defense. In fact, he's right. Only- He's only underachieved on defense relative to the talent his roster has. Yeah, and I think that cooks into this defense because it's not all that different from last year. Yep. Like your your key players are the same guys. Uh, the secondary is pretty much the same. Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry are still like your the the engines to your pass rush, and they were decent. Like they were solid last year, but imagine they great. Imagine if and instead they should of, be better. Imagine if they never drafted Caleb Farley because they kept Adore Jackson, a legitimately great second cornerback, and then they used that first round pick on the offensive line to replenish it. And then instead of trading a top five, top ten wide receiver in AJ Brown and replacing him with shitty ass Traylon Burks. They simply kept the really good receiver and used that pick on a different receiver. That but wasn't. how would they pay for that receiver when they have a running back making $15 million? What if they, what if they money, didn't but. have him? Uh, I believe you're now speaking heresy against Mike Vrabel. Fuck Mike Vrabel, that dickless bitch. Well, he's not dickless yet because they haven't won. No, it's a misnomer. See, he says he cuts his dick off to win the Super Bowl because he knows he'll never do it. And he has no dick. That's why he loves punting from midfield and running the ball. I like this. If he had a dick, he wouldn't do these things. Well, maybe he's just trying to get rid of the dick that is attached to no balls, which he's harboring. Because maybe it's the balls that would have made him stop punting from plus territory. Anyhow, speaking of stupid fucking coaching, Jacksonville. Urban Meyer's gone. That's nice. I, I think mean, Doug Peterson will is kind of like the anti-Urban Meyer. Maybe yeah, not anti-Urban Meyer, but like he will bring a lot of stability to them. I don't think he's a good X and O's guys either, but he's at least going to have a professional organization running. Yeah, and Trevor as Lawrence much as is, you can when Trent Valk is the GM. And Trevor Lawrence is better than a lot of people are giving him credit for. He's not what people thought he was coming out in the draft, but he's certainly not bad either. He was just really fucked last year. Um, yeah, tough, tough setup. It's kind of sad because Christian Kirk is actually going to be their best wide receiver. And that's not right. You shouldn't. Do, that shouldn't be the case. Um, offensive line's okay. Defensive line is surprisingly kind of good. Trayvon, I, Trayvon Walker should not have been the first pick, but he should have been a high pick. He, he's good. They've I thrown like a lot Allen. of... Yeah, and they've thrown a lot of resources at the secondary. Like Shaquille Griffin's solid. Tyson Campbell could be solid. Darius Williams is okay. Andre Sisko, I actually really like. I would say Andre Sisko is great. Thank fucking Christ Urban Meyer is gone because he just refused to play him. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins, he's a journeyman. So like the secondary doesn't have any holes. It's not particularly great anywhere, but this team is going to be a lot better. 
and still not nearly good enough. Like I still have them at 26, ESPN at 27, Vegas at 27. My algorithm has them at 24. Like it's almost not worth talking about because the whole world is going to be low on them anyways. Yeah. I mean, this is just a team that maybe in a handful of years, if they do more things right, they'll be worth watching. But right now, I don't care to watch them play games. They're bad. And I feel the same way about Houston. Houston's going to be the last team we talk about in this series. The next time we talk about any football team after this one, it will be because we're making bets. Think about Ooh. that. Think about that. Whew, I'm I'm tired of this marathon of talking about all the teams, most of which don't fucking matter. But yeah, the Texans algorithm has them at 31. I have them at 29. ESPN in Vegas have them at 31. They suck. Their coaching is terrible. Lovey Smith was a bad coach 10 years ago. The game has only moved further beyond him. He keeps on insisting that they're a running football team. Pep Hamilton is a fraud. He's no better than Lovey Smith. They're going to run the ball a lot. They're not going to score many points. Davis Mills will not have a chance to look good. He will look perfectly fine. He will look so average. It's going to hurt your fucking eyeballs how average he is. And they'll win like three or four games. Like I have absolutely nothing to say about them. That all sounds right to me. I think they're going to be shitty. Yeah, like I, I actually really love their draft. Like Derek Stingley looks legit. Jalen Petrie is awesome free safety. He Jalen Petrie is a faster, young Tyron Math. Great hitter, super quick, great in the slot, corner safety versatility. Awesome. But the rest of their secondary fucking sucks. Like they don't have anything else. They've got the corpse of Steven Nelson and something named Jonathan Owens. Neither of those should be starting in the NFL, yet they are. Uh, you know, their edge rushers are Jonathan Greenard and Jerry Hughes. I'm sorry, that's bad. They also have Obo Okoronkwo. Obo Okoronkwo will eventually start for them when he's healthy. And I like him a lot, actually, out of Oklahoma. He's six foot one. He's Elvis Doomerville light, I think. Wow. But Obo Okoronkwo and Jerry Hughes still does not a great defensive end pairing make. And then they have nothing inside. They have no wide receivers other than Brandon Cooks, for my money at least. And their offensive line is missing a couple pieces. Laramie Tunsil's sick. Everything else Take it or leave it. So yeah, they're they're gonna suck. That's gonna be it. We've touched on every team. Yeah. Uh, some teams are gonna be really good this year. Some teams are gonna be really bad. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. And we've we've got our we've got our work cut out for us on gassing and fading these teams respectively. As you can probably tell, we're generally low on the AFC. I I think that it's fucking absurd that people think it's significantly better than the NFC. I think I don't even think it's better in the first place. But if you've made it this far, all I can do is thank you for listening to all this bloviation. You must be extremely excited for football to start next week. I ask you one thing. Starting next week, please bet on football games. Asta. Thank <laughs> you.